Coming to you from high atop our studios in the San Francisco Bay Area, you're listening to Tech Move. This is episode 53. In today's show, Rod and Keith compare the merits of iMovie versus Pro Editors. We also talk about new wireless microphones from Rode and DJI. Keith talks about his DJI Ronin RS3 Pro and other things. Well, I'm Rod Louie, and with me is Keith Moreau. Get ready. It's time for another exciting episode of Tech Move. Let's go! Hi everyone, welcome to Tech Move. It is episode 53, and I am your illustrious host, Rod Louie, along with lovely and attractive Keith Moreau, who is joining us. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Tech Move has a really major announcement that, le- that we'd like to kind of get out of the way. Uh, even though you might not be seeing it at this particular moment, uh, Keith and I are in the midst of kind of revamping Tech Move to uh, not only be your number one audio podcast source, but also thinking about going into the video uh, format of things. Uh, considering the fact that we do speak mostly of video filmmaking and all that, because maybe it'd be a good idea if we included some video. Uh, with our podcast. And, you know, why the heck not? I mean, the technology is such where we should be able to do it. Everyone else is doing it. Why don't we follow along with the uh, with the status quo? So uh, I think that's very exciting uh, information. And Keith is the brains behind the entire operation. And uh, Keith, uh, uh, you know, we're going to talk about this in our next episode, really, once we get this going. But this is, it kind of feels to me just like the same way we did it like 10 years ago when we first started the audio portion of this podcast, how involved this is to get this going. It, it, it seems to be like just a nightmare that's, that, that, that's happening right now. What are your thoughts, Keith? Uh it's um it's a semi nightmare <laughs> it's a semi nightmare and and semi kind of kind of cool uh the the free tech that we have um available to us now is for this video stuff is incredible um and really amazingly featured uh full featured so what we're trying out um for doing the video part of the recording is um something called OBS. And I'm actually not sure what OBS stands for. Uh, broadcasting something. I don't know. But yeah, uh, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll find. But uh, so many folks are using OBS. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it, it's just like the, it's almost like for us podcasters, it's the industry standard right. type of thing. Right. And um, yeah, so it's the industry standard and it's actually something that I had no clue about until you told me about it a couple of weeks ago. Um, and so glad we're so up on everything. Tech move is the cutting edge, ladies and gentlemen. So I used to do, I used to do a lot of um, streaming 
um, shows. And uh, so I'd set up a bunch of cameras and I had a bunch of black magic and I still have them. Um, black magic, uh, they're called ultra rec- ultra studio recorders. They're little boxes. Let me see if I can find one. And while you're looking for that, Keith, OBS stands for Open Broadcaster Software. So it's, uh, it's you know, it's free. It's open source software for video recording and live streaming, which is uh, kind of what we're trying to do and trying to get involved with. And, you know, maybe uh, uh, get a couple more subscribers to the Tech Move Nation uh, that we uh, like to lead. So uh, this is something that's going to be very exciting. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So some of the tech that I used to use, so the, I just haven't done this since, since COVID, um, and haven't gotten back into the thing, but I used to do like Facebook streams and YouTube streams and stuff. And, um, and it's, it's, it's it, back in the day, you need to have pretty expensive switchers, you know, like I'm talking like four, maybe four years ago, five years ago. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. But there were, um, software solutions, to that um if you had a mac i could i think you could use a pc as well but the mac was pretty well suited for it the software was pretty advanced so i had this thing um called the mini recorder uh this is made by black magic these little boxes they're not too expensive like 150 bucks you can actually get these now although i think they're discontinued but you notice the um the uh firewire see if you can guess what kind of port that is Uh, i mean it I mean, it looks like a US, either a USB printer port or or FireWire. It's actually the Thun- Thunderbolt 2. Thunderbolt 2. Interesting. Uh, uh, from decades past, yes. Yeah, so back when I was first starting doing the streaming, I had a, a MacBook Pro with Thunderbolt 2 inputs. And I think it had two Thunderbolt 2 inputs. So I got it. I have a couple of these. And I'd plug HDMI into one side. You can see the HDMI port there. Yep. Yeah. Yep, and then yep. SD. And then if I had an SDI camera, I, I could plug it into that. So these things had two ports. Now this is only 1080p. I think up to 60. I think it's 3G. So this is pretty advanced in the day. We're talking five to seven years ago that I. Oh sure, that's pretty nice. Uh-huh. And it just gets powered off the Thunderbolt, and it somehow turns the HDMI into Thunderbolt signal, and then you have to have the software from um, Blackmagic Design, design uh, installed on your on your Mac. And uh, you just find it. When, once you plug these in, if you have all the drivers installed, you plug these in, and then now it's another video source, kind of like our webcams are right now. So... Yeah, and then you run it. Th- then you run it all into your computer. If you have a couple Thunderbolt ports, you can use two of these, right? One for each Thunderbolt port. And then I had another device. And this is kind of like the uh, start of us kind of getting into the foray of uh, video streaming our podcast for you, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, something that we always thought about doing, but really, frankly, was too lazy to actually uh, really do it. Uh, but now I, I think it's important, you know, and, and like Keith started out, uh, uh, the availability of, uh, of free tools that are out there, plus uh, all the camera gear that Keith and I both have, why shouldn't this be possible? Um, it, 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 should, it should be pretty easy. It's not, but we're, we're but once we get there, it's, it's very much like the audio podcast. It was hard to get here, 
but once we got it, it, it worked out really well. Yeah, it'll be great. Um, so anyway, I found the box. It was actually on my desk because I planned to talk about it. So this, there was another box that I also got. So I only had two video inputs, but sometimes I ran three cameras, maybe four, including a desktop screen. So, um, yeah, so I, I um, used this device, which you can see that. Yep. Yeah. So this is another device, which is really cool. And this actually has USB output, which which my Mac also had, my little desktop Mac. Yep. And so I'd have three video sources. I could use three different cameras with these three boxes with HDMI plugged into them. It says HDMI inputs here as well. And... How many inputs do you have on that one right there? Uh, HDMI's? Just, HDMI's? Just has one just input. One. Um, okay. And this has um, SVHS video. Woo. Yeah, and it, lo- it looks like it has a, a component video as well, right? Yeah, yeah so this Red, is like blue, green. Back, back in the day. Yeah, great so, stuff. Anyway, all this stuff, garbage. Doesn't yeah. work anymore. <laughs> I, tried, I tried to plug them in. I even tried to use a Thunderbolt um, on these. Tried to use a Thunderbolt 2 to 3 adapter. Blackmagic software did not recognize them. Is I that true? It, it, it doesn't work at all anymore. I couldn't get it to work. I think did, the did, new. Did you do it with your Mac Studio? Is that yeah. the reason why? I oh, did, maybe yeah. that's the reason. Yeah, I think it's the Mac Studio has broken reason. a lot of this stuff and, and nobody wants to make it work anymore because this stuff is not even sold anymore. Like you can get them used, but. Hey, do you do you have uh, still like Intel Macs lying around somewhere? Yes, I do. I I kind of have to. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Same same with me. Same with so like if you try uh, uh, that stuff uh, on your Intel Macs, you think shouldn't it work? Oh yeah, this stuff would work for sure. Yeah. Okay. It's just our Mac Studios that it's just the technology. It's the Mac Studios. It could be the newest operating system. It just yeah. you know, the, the company stopped supporting stuff after a while. Yep. So yeah, so for now I just I we wanted to test this video thing out today. I'm probably not gonna it's probably not gonna reach the public. Some of it might. because um, like right now I'm looking at myself and my my stupid webcam. So I had, I've, I've got a lot of webcams over the years too. And I had a couple in my collecting dust in one of my drawers. So I, I whipped those out <laughs> to just test this thing out because my expensive, you know, black magic boxes no longer worked. Um, so, so I looked on the internet to try to find capture devices, you know, and again, the stuff is amazingly cheap now. So much, you know, so much easier to use. There's this plug and play. I think there's this technology. I think it's called Universal Video something, UVC, Universal Video Control or Capture. Yeah, Universal Video Capture. And so if if something has UVC labeled on it, even if it's five bucks, which some of these adapters are actually five bucks for HDMI to USB, uh, supposedly the Mac will support it. Well... You know, and so I, I got a question for you then, because uh, in my testing, uh, and my my testing went very well, except when it came to the audio portion of recording our audio. Uh, but my video thing turned out, I thought, pretty well. So yeah. w- what I plan to use is the uh, Mac Studio Display uh, webcam 
and then use a GoPro as a camera number two. Now I could have used like my GH4, you know, also as a second or third camera, whichever one you, why wouldn't you use your GoPro? I think, I, I, I think, uh, you know, or, or a black magic. Why wouldn't you just use that? Oh yeah. I definitely would use those. I just didn't have the way to get that signal into my computer to get a live, a live stream. So I, I needed to have that HDMI to that eight the HDMI to you know Thunderbolt or whatever device to get it into my computer. The only thing I had were USB webcams from uh, you know 1970. Oh, so it's a matter of you not having USBs uh, or mini HDMI or whatever it is to a Thunderbolt. Yeah, I didn't have I didn't have a video interface to get stuff into my M1 Max. So I have to buy a new device that supports that. So, Got it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. So just to do this test today, I set up my old HD webcams. They're not terrible, but, you know, as no, you can it, see, they, they're not focusing the very well. And, you know, it, they're very unreliable in that way. But it's just kind of, it's just kind of a test. So um, it, It's a great test, too, because, you know, I, as I was telling Keith earlier, ladies and gentlemen, I'm using the um, Mac Studio Display. Uh, webcam and I actually love the artificial smoothing that it's doing on me right now it's artificially making me look like uh I don't know like Marilyn Monroe right now (laughs) maybe Brad Pitt I don't know right well I yeah right you're although he's no he's he's getting kind of old how about somebody younger no no no, that that would be (laughs) that that would be disingenuous we wouldn't want that (laughs) Uh, but, uh, but, uh, but I'm in, I, I'm enjoying it. And I thought the GoPro was good, uh, too, except that it kind of needed artificial lighting. Uh, yeah. so, uh, I don't know folks, you know, when we get this really off the ground, you, you guys be the judge and, and, uh, you, you'll, you'll see all the hoops we have to jump through to get this thing going to make it look at least relatively decent. Yeah. So I'm sure it'll be super, it'll, it'll be super amazing at some point. Um, but getting... <laughs> Getting getting back to um, <laughs> by the way, are you going to continue? Are you always going to wear the um, when we're doing video yeah. final final video? Are you going to have the uh, headset in? I don't know. I, I I think that's the only way I can hear you because I don't have the full. Uh, uh, you know what I could do is I could use a, a, a possibly a Bluetooth one without the wire. Would is, is that better? I don't know. It might be a look or for you. Or not at all. It, it might be a look for you if you want to have this thing hanging. It's kind of like, yeah, I used to be a DJ. <laughs> that, that's the whole. That's why I can't get rid of this thing. Why do you think I'd still use it? <laughs> um, so anyway, OBS, the software, which uh, we're now using, is pretty darn amazing. And, and it honestly is exactly like the software I used, the commercial software I used to use called Wirecast. It is like identical. And that's why it was so easy for me to just install it and get it to work quick. Um, I literally spent five minutes studying this. So this is like the first time I ever even used it. Um, so, and because it's, it, they pretty much just copied it. So I don't know if Wirecast is out of business now. I, 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 it was some other big company. I can't remember the, the company, um, the head of the company or the, the, the parent company, but, but I used it and I was able to 
Um, so usually I had an assistant to help with some of the switching because there's multiple cameras kind of hard to keep track of. Um, so I had my assistant actually doing the switching on the computer by clicking the different scenes and stuff, doing a preset and clicking the scenes. And I was operating cameras and directing and stuff. Usually it was just fixed camera, so it wasn't that big of a deal. But there was there were in my in my case there might be a moving camera just just to capture you know somebody's face close up and then switching to different people. So I'd like go to somebody's close up, uh, and then when we had and then when I switch to somebody else talking, we do a wide cut and then I'd switch the cam the the, the close up camera to the next person and then we cut to that close up person. And my assistant would have a view of all the different cameras going on so they knew when to switch they knew when it was framed up and they could switch properly so you can do all this with this obs software it's just amazing i think mostly though what i found because when i did a little research on the internet about the software i'd say 99.9 percent .9 of the people that are using this are using it for uh capturing their game play their video yeah. game play Yes, <laughs> it's really popular for screen uh for screen captures and stuff like that yeah uh, and, uh, but I, but I also think that, you know, recording podcasts and stuff like that is also a really popular thing. It is. Uh, for, yeah. for, for using it. Um, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I, 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 I researched it like about like during the pandemic, I actually discovered OBS, mm -hmm. uh, because when people were, you know, when we were like hunkered down, uh, during the pandemic, uh, you know, all you could do is like virtual meetings on stuff. And so there was talk about like, oh, you know, how to use your, you know, your, um, your SLR as a, as a webcam and get, you know, better video and all that. So, oh, okay. Let's try that out. And it worked, but it was, <laughs> but it was so cumbersome <laughs> to do it. It's just, but uh, the possibilities are there. So, so now with, you know, with s smaller cameras, lighter cameras, it, it, it makes a lot of sense that we just use this and, and try and incorporate it. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty neat. It's really cool. I'm actually amazed. And then I was looking at video capture devices and oh. um, I guess, I guess Elgato and probably, I think that's the one you might have, or I'm not sure what capture device you're using right now for your GoPro, but um, I don't know. Okay. And, uh, you have uh, you have a little USB to USB to HDMI thing, right? Correct. Uh, uh, you, what, you mean the dongle yeah, to dongle. you mean to, to to oh I'm I'm just simply using a USB C to USB C. Oh cable. wow, that's it. Right, right into right into the uh, right into Mac Studio. Okay. No, it, it it works. It works great. Oh, so I could have actually done that because I have like fifteen yeah. GoPros. So that, I could that's exactly you could have used it. Yeah. Oh. no, I'm I'm not using any video capture. Oh, okay. You know? I didn't even realize you could do that with the GoPro. Yeah. Oh, you, you, oh, here's the thing. Here's what you do need to do though. And they don't exactly advertise this. You got to download some special software from GoPro. Okay. Uh, to turn it into a webcam. So oh, okay. uh, it's, it's like GoPro, GoPro webcam, uh, software. Got it. And then you, you install that on, on your Mac studio. Got it. And, uh, and, it just adds yet another icon on the taskbar that <laughs> that completely takes up all the real estate, you know, uh, on the taskbar. So it's it's great, but yeah, it, it it'll work. It it, it works. I it, you know I, I plugged. I have a USB C to USB C from the GoPro. I also have my 
audio interface direct into the into the Mac Studio. And I think that's what's great about the Mac Studio is that I, I, I think it can handle all this kind of stuff. I was actually going to try as a third camera my GH4 to also try that as well to see how if it would completely choke out the uh, Mac Studio or not. So the software, sorry, I was also doing a little like editing. You probably see what's I like going it. on. Yeah. No, I like it. Um, I have to crop your screen so that I'm not seeing everything. Um, but anyway, we have yeah. them both. We can both be in, talking at the same time and not just switch. It- it looks like I'm at work and uh, on a Zoom call right now, so it's fantastic. Just slightly better quality. I, I I'm going to change the arrangement so I can put put you near the top, so I can look at you as I'm. Okay. There we go. It's a, you see this real time. Yes. That's cool. It's really great. It's really awesome. So I'm sorry. I think I missed the thing. Is this GoPro software or some other type of software that allows you to? It's GoPro software. Okay. Yeah, so you just have to do a Google search for GoPro webcam. Uh-huh. And it's just a it's just software that that allows the GoPros to to be turned and and I from what I understand uh if even if you have the GoPro 8 and and newer it it'll it'll work. So it's 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 pretty good. Okay, pretty cool. Good. So for for those people who have like old GoPros lying around. Oh. Turn them into it. Oh well, then I don't. I probably don't even need anything. No, I don't think you do. I you just need the cables, and and, I mean, why spend money? I'm not. So uh, (laughs) you 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 know me. So like, uh, yeah, I'm just. uh, uh, Oh, so actually, Keith, you saw the result yesterday when I sent you the the video file because that that's all it was was just using the the uh, OBS to mix the two different cameras together right right. there you go that's really cool yeah it's pretty neat so i don't think you need to purchase anything you just i mean you got cables galore the the only thing that i did uh i was gonna try and it didn't work was my usb-c coming from the gopro to a usb-a with a dongle attached to 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 the Mac Studio. Okay. And for some reason I had a problem with that, but I don't know if it was just because of OBS or whatever and then I decided, "Oh, I've got a USB to USB-C or mm-hmm. I'm sorry, USB-C to USB-C cable. Yeah. Let me just try that." It it worked right off the bat. That's fine. Oh, okay. You know, but I'm sure the other ones would work too. Well, that's that's cool. Yeah, cuz I'm starting to retire I mean, I think I probably I actually do probably have like 5 GoPros. And I've given, right. I've given several away because I get I usually get them like well now I'm getting them every year, just because they're getting so good. Yes. And uh, I just got the we could talk about it later a little bit more, but I just got the eleven. Right, so. which is exciting. I, I do want to hear about that because I know there's a larger sensor and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so that I, I I think that's the biggest and most advanced feature there is the larger sensor. Yeah. I so that's that's pretty much it. Yeah, but if you if you have some old ones lying around that aren't being used for really anything, you might as well use it for this yeah webcam thing, and that that could really save oh, you yeah. a lot of effort. Oh yeah, yeah. I was thinking of getting a uh, inexpensive capture for. I was trying to set it up yesterday with my like I have this is the A7S III. I was and I plugged it in yesterday. And of course, that's when I found out that nothing works, and. Um, <laughs> 
and I have a bunch of just spare metal sitting in drawers. Right. But that's great. No, that that that's terrific. Well, oh, getting that... getting back to um, sorry, I just thought of it. Um, getting back to like, do I keep my Intel Max? Yes. So, I don't know if you have you heard of the thing called the Oculus. I've heard of that. Yeah. So I don't think I have. Oh, which is the VR thing, right? Yeah, is, it's is, virtual is, reality. It's is, is, is the virtual reality thing. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So my stepson got one. He's the older one that's kind of out of the house now, but he got one for himself. And I wasn't sure. I know I wanted to get a present for the other, the younger 14-year-old. And I wasn't sure if it was something that he would enjoy because, you know, I've done it in the past and it's just a bunch of idiots like, like this, like Pokemon people with this thing over their face. You know, it's like, I'm having fun, you know? You look, you look like the X-Men Cyclops. Yes. With, with, with. And, you know, just getting mad at the air. Right. So, but I tried I tried his out, the one he bought, and it was actually pretty cool. They've gotten really, really good. Yeah. Um. So I decided to get one for Andrew and... And he liked it, so we were able to play two two person stuff. But nice. there's a way. So there's a computer and everything inside the Oculus, and it's I guess it's a powerful enough computer to make it look good. But there's a way through Wi-Fi and uh, wired, if you want, to connect to a, to a PC, and then run something called Steam, which you probably have heard of on a PC. I've not heard of Steam. Oh, okay, no. so Steam is this huge huge platform that. It's kind of like an underlying layer that all these games are built on top of, like commercial games as well as free games. So it's like one of the biggest platforms out there. So there's a virtual, there's a VR version of Steam that you can also install, install on Windows PC. But of course, nothing, it doesn't work on a Mac. But I have, you know, my old Intel Macs, and I tested it out. They have a little, so- a little um, software uh, tester to see if your Mac can work on its own. And of course these Macs did not work on their own. They're too they're too wimpy to run They're Steam. too old. Yes, they're yeah. too old. Yes. However, um, I do have a eGPU card that I have a fairly powerful but old card in there. Uh, it's a 980Ti, an Nvidia 980Ti. So through some shenanigans and stuff I figured out how to boot into boot camp on these little Macs. PC Max, uh, I mean Windows, Intel Max, Intel Max, Intel Max, Intel Max. yeah, yep. and and then point it to this NVIDIA eGPU, and Steam said, "Yeah, you're good, you could run." So that was that's what one of the reasons. So you why fooled I, it. That's I, really yeah, great. Yeah, and so I was able to run um, some game that Andrew wanted to play. We got it, and it's you know, of course, blood and shooting and stuff of like course. that. But but it's pretty cool. I mean, be, and there's free versions that you can also run a Steam. Like, there's a virtual VR Earth, uh-huh. uh, Google Earth. Sure. And you've you've used Google Earth, right? I've used Google Earth. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so it's a virtual, it's a VR Google Earth. Where you're flying around, you're looking. Oh, down. neato. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty so neat. I was able to check out my neighborhood. Oh, cool. Um, and see, you know, what they thought it was, like about a year ago. Oh, cool. And just yeah, it's 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 neat stuff. Anyway, so. I guess one of the reasons to have an old Mac is to be able to make turn into a PC. Well, well, you, you know, and and not only that, and for me personally, I will have to keep my MacBook Pro Intel Mac uh, alive because that's the only way I can still utilize my old iPod Classic. <laughs> 
and put anything or remove anything uh, from there. And that that's a whole nother segment because that that's that's a whole thing right there to to keep this laptop alive just so that I can keep my MP3 player alive is is uh, beyond silly. Uh, okay, look, anyway, Keith, let's, uh, l- let's do this. Let's get into the episode itself. Yes. Uh, we've got a lot of things that we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about things like iMovie. We're going to be talking about wireless microphones. We're going to be talking about gimbals and, uh, and also some exciting, uh, travel of which I'm going to be taking and, uh, my thoughts on some of the equipment and uh, getting Keith's perspective on that kind of stuff. So we've got a lot of stuff that we're going to talk about in this uh, episode of Tech Move. And so why don't we do this? Let's reset, and we'll come back with our first segment, and uh, and we'll just continue with this uh, practicing of video and and uh, not sharing it with the public and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> just talking uh, all- about it. You taunt, just talk about taunting it. Taunting people and, with it. Taunting people, <laughs> teasing them, and all this kind of stuff. So we'll, we'll do that, okay? So, so let's take a quick break, and we'll come back with more on Tech Move. All right, everyone, you're listening to Tech Move and uh, the great Rod Louie and the even greater Keith Moreau <laughs> here. And uh, we have a very, I don't know, this is kind of like a, a, a selfish segment that I wanted to do. Um, and Keith knows all about this, but uh, I've been doing some traveling lately. And, uh, and of course, you know, I'm taking all my gear with me and I'm shooting stuff left and right stills, video, the whole nine yards. And uh, with the new Mac Studio that both Keith and I have, um, I'm really excited to see what the Mac Studio can help me put together with regards to all these stills, all these videos, and if I can put it together in a relatively quick uh, thing without a lot of you know, without a lot of migamaru, if you will, you know, like, yeah, I'm not terribly interested in going super deep into uh, a new version of Premiere or DaVinci Resolve, e- even though I do like what they all do. I just kind of want to spit something out. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and so, Keith, I know this is blasphemy, what I'm about to say. But I actually enjoy iMovie. I love it. I think it, I, I think it's terrific. You, you open up that little thing. It tells you what media do you want to add. I either click and drag it or I click the button and it pulls me to a directory. I just throw it in there and I can put it on a timeline. I can add a title to it. I can add some cross dissolves on it. I can color it a little bit. End it, export it. Uh, Mac Studio exports it in what seems to be, you know, a flash, and I'm done. I'm happy, yeah. and I'm able to 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 send it to people, and it's yeah. certainly good enough. Yes, I am. However, 
you know, as being one of the founding members of Tech Move, I almost find myself embarrassed to think that iMovie is uh, is what's being used uh, in my personal uh, arsenal. And I, I'd kind of, you, you know, and I know you might not have a lot of experience with iMovie, but uh, is, is are we being too judgmental about things like iMovie versus the Final Cut Pros, the premieres, the, the resolves, so on and so forth? Well, it just... Uh, it just depends on your audience and uh, what what you help. How, how much of a perfectionist you are with what you're producing. So yeah, th- that's yeah. very true. You yeah. know, I mean, like I could care less on the way <laughs> something kind of like mores or something. <laughs> I I don't really care. You know. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I think iMovie, especially for for people that are just producing it for their family members or just to impress something and depending on the source material um, and, and what, what you want to get out of it. Um, I think iMovie is brilliant and I don't think it's changed too much, you know, like in the last 10 years or so, <laughs> but um, I, I don't know if you've used it over time. Um, I think the last time I really produced something, anything with iMovie was like, it was like 20 years ago, maybe <laughs> or 22 <laughs> years ago, maybe well, well, uh, like you know a while what? back. <laughs> You know what? I can actually speak to that. I'll tell you why. Because if you remember, I was still using the hamster-guided exercised wheel of a iMac, right, from 2009. Yeah. And and of which iMovie was in that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now I'm using it in my Mac studio. And it is pretty pretty different now. It does do a lot of neat stuff. Like, uh, uh, like the... uh, the color correction is basic, but you could do it. Mm-hmm. It has a, a kind of like warp stabilization uh, or image stabilization mm-hmm. in uh, in iMovie. Mm-hmm. Okay, kind of works. I, I did a test run on it. It looked pretty good. It, you know, I, I had some footage that I'd, uh, you know, handheld shaky type of stuff. My, you know, my Parkinson's was probably inflamed or something. <laughs> And and then I stabilized it, and it looked pretty decent for me. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, so it does have some bells and whistles, unlike previous generations of iMovie. Yeah, yeah. I think the last time I seriously used iMovie on the Mac was literally like 20 years ago. So, um, and it was great for what it did, and I'm sure that with modern uh redesigns and uh maybe even borrowing code from Final Cut 10 um it's probably pretty awesome so you probably i the, i've used iMovie for creating stuff on my phone um is that it, easy i've not done that i've not done that from the phone it's pretty easy it's pretty easy and um it allows you to just you know be somewhere you know like say you're at a beach or something you have a few minutes and you want to make a little movie of your uh, with some clips and put some music to it, uh, do some crossfades and stuff like that. You can uh, you can uh, pretty quickly put something that's somewhat usable together, right? And, and you know, with titles and stuff like that. They have, they have some templates you can use. I I think that iMovie has that as well. You choose a template and you can that's correct. Create something, yep. yeah. Yep. So um, yeah. So I mean, if that little phone version is doing something f- somewhat usable then I would imagine that the computer version is, is actually not bad at all. 
Um, I, I just like when I'm doing things, I don't usually want to just slap it together using the quickest tool unless I'm, I'm just on a trip and it doesn't matter what I'm producing. So, um, but I don't necessarily look down on anybody that, that uses something like iMovie to produce something. You showed me, um, one of your trips and I was actually really impressed with what you did. So thank you. You know, that impressed me and, and you, you did it all yourself and I loved all the, and then used a GoPro 10 for it and the quality was actually really good. Um, it's just so funny because, you know, the GoPro 10, this little $400 camera that you can just put in your pocket and, you know, throw it in the swimming pool if you want. Um, (laughs) it, uh, (laughs) it can produce stuff that's arguably, arguably better than a professional camera of 10 years ago, you know? In a I lot have of ways. I, ha- I I really have to agree. Yeah. I mean, like you, the images straight out of my Gro- GoPro Ten, I think are just really really nice. Colors yeah. are real. You know, sure. You know, should we re- be recording flat so that we could color grade later? Uh, GoPros don't really allow you to do that that much. You know, the, the, there's there a are flat settings. profile. That yeah, I, that I always use the flat profile, but it's not as you, extreme as like log and. And that stuff. Ex- exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. So, uh, uh, but I, I, I just love the images that come out of that darn thing. That uh, you know, uh, unless I need something up close or something like that, or I need to zoom in. I mean, the the, the GoPro Ten is going to be like my my go to, shall yeah. we say? Yeah, so. it's so convenient, and yeah. and you know, even like even iPhones are. Are, are are valid for doing this kind of stuff, you know. True. I mean, I wish I wish the self facing iPhone, uh, the self facing camera was better quality on the on the new iPhones. It still it still lacks that. Um, I think maybe that hopefully the next version will have a better quality because then you could just do blogs and vlogs and and whatever stuff you wanted just with your phone that you have in your pocket. You don't even have to carry around a GoPro or something else. Um, and, and you could also throw the phone into a pool, maybe if you're, if you're feeling lucky. And but. what's funny is that still the front facing camera of the iPhone is still better than my new studio display, uh, <laughs> webcam on there. So that, that's, that's a great thing to, to note. But. Oh, well you can get a little bracket for that if you want. I'll, I'll, I'll get that bracket and just use or, or my own DIY bracket of duct tape on my, on the back of my new display will be great that bracket is this such an unapple thing to do i don't know who came up with that well and, uh, and it's crazy that they're they didn't produce one themselves to try and market it in such a way right i mean they're they're, they're going through belkin to, to are they and, oh and belkin's the one who came out with that and and they were advertising it on their uh on their launch uh videos so it's like hey go to belkin and go get this thing it's fantastic you know get this thing and then get some duct tape too right um right (laughs) well anyway yeah so i i I like the iMovie thing sometimes my phone spontaneously will give me little movies it creates which are actually really cool too like it it puts a whole bunch of video and 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 uh photos i did on a day have you ever had their phone do this for you i i have not tried that yet no i've not done that you should try that because that's even easier than iMovie, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you, you're, you're right. But but you know what? I, I, I think what it is is just because I don't use my my iPhone for v- terribly a lot of video. 
I, I'm one I'm one of those people that uses like the dedicated video cameras to take my video. Yeah. And I don't know why. I, I think it's a little snobbish of me to do that, but that but I'm snobby in that way. Like I'll use the GoPro, I'll use the GH4, whatever it is. Yeah. And that takes all my video. Yeah. So do you have the newest the iPhone thirteen? I do not. I, I'm still running off of a iPhone X or ten, whichever one you want to call okay. it. Okay. Well that's probably why. Yeah, because yeah. the recent, if you get the recent iPhones, there's going to be one coming out, I guess, in September, whenever they come out again. But yeah. the 13 Pro is awesome. I um, heard it's just so great. Yeah, like the, you know, I did all the, not not that it was, you know, an example of super high quality, but all these latest, uh, like NAB and, and Cinegear, were actually done with, with, that, with that phone. <laughs> And it looks pretty darn good. Yeah, and I think I used I don't think I used cinematic mode on the last on on NAB, but I think I used it on Cinegear. Okay. So it's it's got that shallow depth of field. And I didn't even do any kind of well, I I might go back and we're I'm putting in that episode together now, so I might actually go back and see how the depth of field stuff actually looks, you know, in a big monitor. Um, right. but um in some cases, and the thing that's so cool about the new iPhone 13 is that you can actually, if you if you choose cinematic mode, you can actually change where things are focused. So if somehow it got the that's wrong right. point, yep, and that that is so magical to me. Like like that is the future, you know. Um, it, it, it's very. Um, it's kind of like what they were trying to do with GH5s, right? Or or, it, it, or actually, even my GH4, where like you can you can uh, uh, click to focus or something. It's kind of like that, but it's actually already recorded, and then you're clicking to photo, focus in post production. Oh, that's neat. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So it's kind of like they came out with this camera. I think it was a stills camera called the Lightro several years ago, like five or six years ago. Which okay. like Lightro is probably uh, owes people a lot of money at this point. Let me just see the. I think it was called Lightro. Yeah, electro camera. Let's see when they went bankrupt. Um, well, I guess they might still be around. Oh, you can you can buy one for four hundred fifty dollars on eBay. Oh, there you go. Um, it was oh, it was founded in twenty twelve, and they announced emerged a end to end system. They received one hundred forty million dollars initially, um, but. Are they still in business? This seems like a really old wiki page. I have a feeling they're not in business anymore. <laughs> oh yeah, they went out of business in 2018. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so there you go. Right, yeah. right after they launched the product, they went out of business. That's they great. launched. They launched in 2006, and looks like they went out of business in 2018. So they had a good run. Yeah. Um, but it, that's so. That was a still camera, and so. Uh, and and they were doing it in a more f- like photographic way of capturing all these different images at different uh, depths, and then allowing you in software to kind of change the blurriness based based on how far away it was. Right. Um, but the iPhone just kind of jumped over that, and and they now take a, a lidar image with this lidar, which is radar, um, on the front of the iPhone. So the your, your the new iPhones have radar. And uh-huh. and they scan, they do a 3D scan of whatever is in front of the camera, and then they build a map, a depth map of everything, and then they match that up to 
um, they have they encode that in the video footage or or other footage and and then when they're edit, when you're editing it then they're using that to see oh if you want that out of focus we can we can uh, mask out this area and then blur the rest of it in right. varying degrees I mean it's just incredible yeah like that this exists um, so although I really although I really wonder if Android had that like years ago <laughs> oh they probably did they probably had it like twenty years ago <laughs> right. but. <laughs> but I have it now, and I'm glad I have it. Right, it's, <laughs> exactly, yes. Yeah. It's Sometimes <laughs> it makes mistakes. So sometimes, like, if things are really far away, but you, but it's like a cutout, yeah. that you can see part of it that it didn't cut out properly, and then you see this thing that should be blurry is actually clear, is actually uh, in focus. Yeah. So yeah. it's not perfect, and I don't know if it ever will be. But still, for the, for the casual viewer, you right. know, like, you might not want to make a, a real uh, uh, movie out of this, like a real cinematic release, but but you could definitely show this to casual viewers, and they would go, "Wow, yeah, you know, what no, cinema camera did you film that on?" Anyway, right. I'm, I'm digressing with all this stuff, but no, um, no but it, but 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 that's kind of what it's all about, right? Because like you know, iMovie in such a way is one of those like you had mentioned earlier on about like you could choose templates yeah. and you could throw clips in and add it to your template. The way I've been using it is that I don't really want to use the templates because you can instantly tell that that's a template. <laughs> yes. You, you know, a thousand so, other so, people have used it and it's right. Just, yeah, and and, and then using the stock music that comes with it and yeah. stuff like that. I don't yeah. really want to do that. I, but I do love the simplicity of just, you know, them using plain and simple English that this is a cross-dissolve transition. Okay, yes. that's what I'm looking for, you know, yes. fade to black. Okay, that's great, you know. Uh, that That's what I'm looking for. Whereas sometimes I get caught up when I was using Premiere uh, and when I started uh, trying uh, DaVinci Resolve, you know, there are so many different tabs that you have to use in order to get to an export uh, portion of your video. And it's just a lot for me. It was just it's, a lot to it's, have it's to a kind huge, of think. Until yeah. you get that workflow going, right? Yeah, it's actually a huge learning curve. You'd have to be really dedicated to get to beyond a certain point. And that's, right. that's why I actually never got into Final Cut Ten. Because that's what I was wondering, because yeah. like, is, isn't it supposed to, you know, and that's why, and, and that's a great segue, because I was going to ask you if I know you do have experience with Final Cut Pro, but if I went from iMovie to Final Cut Pro, is that an easier transition than going from, you know, nothing to DaVinci Resolve, which is a little bit hard for me. Yeah, I would say it's probably an easy if you if you're starting to get kind of comfortable with iMovie, I I think that transitioning to Final Cut 10 is is actually Final Cut Pro 10 is is going to be easier than DaVinci. But if you're used to editing in Premiere, then probably going to DaVinci is easier than going to Final yeah. Cut 10. That's that's yeah. my experience. Because yeah. because um I feel like Final Cut 10 has changed the paradigm for a lot of things. And they're doing a lot of things automatically just to save you time. But for me, I don't know what's going on. And I'm not sure if what they're producing is actually working for me or not. Um, and also, I it, it, it might, I think iMovie and Final Cut 10 may be able to produce stuff quicker 
because things just happen more automatically. But I feel like I lose, I've lost control over the situation. Understood. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think to regain that control, you can actually do it in those apps most likely, especially with Final Cut uh, Pro 10. But, um, you have to, you have to wade through a lot of learning curve to get to that point. You know, like if you want to just manipulate different audio, here's an example. When I last tried to use Final Cut 10, I was trying to figure out how to manipulate audio tracks in separate ways. And I was trying to turn off um, all the transcoding that they do when you first import it in order to get a better um, playback. And and all the stuff that is automatically done for you. I was trying to not have the, the timelines when I do a cut snap into each other and close up, you know, the magnet, so-called magnetic timeline. Um, I was just trying to see more things at once on the screen, and it was always com- collapsing everything into one blob, it, you know. <laughs> and yeah, I just, no, that's true. And and just it just doing the simplest, simplest thing for me was taking me forever, which is is to be expected because you know it, I just don't know. But it just got to the point where I got to work. I can't be dealing with this. <laughs> yeah, no, so, that's absolutely true. Yeah, so we just go back to the buggy yet familiar Premiere Pro. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which is still buggy. I'm I'm using the new version on the it's Final Cut 2022, which is the fastest supposedly version on on uh, my Mac Studio. And is it supposed to be optimized for Mac Studio? Yeah, it's optimized and supposedly quicker and everything. And I'm not that impressed with it so far. <laughs> so I've, I haven't used it on super big projects, you know, like multiple clips and tracks. But um, sure. just on small stuff, I feel like there's little delays here and there, and things dropping out like audio. Uh, mm. dropping out when why is it dropping out um right and just coming back it's not like that there's something wrong with the audio track it's just that premiere has just decided i'm not going to play this audio for now okay i'm going to play it now <laughs> right stuff like that right. so right yeah um and so that pushes me more towards davinci resolve but that's got its that's got its issues and complexity Look, you know, and you said it perfectly right there. I think the thing that's different about iMovie versus everything else is the level of control you have over your clips yeah. or, or, or what you want to edit. You yeah. know, iMovie, simple, easy. Drag, drop, put it in, you put a dissolve. That's the way I do it. You know, I, I'm not trying to... Oh, and I'm also like maybe adding a little color to just add some vibrance to it. Yeah. However, admittedly, the col- there is no color wheel. They are color slides in iMovie, whereas in something like Resolve, where that's we 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 all know that that's the king of color software, right? Yeah. Uh, you know they have every wheel under the sun. That you can, you know, adjust and so on and so forth, yes. which colorists need to have happen. I get yeah, it. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I see it. Yeah, you can get your own uh, control pad with dials on it if you want to do all that right. stuff. Right, right, yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah you could definitely. So the thing that I find a little bit confusing with Resolve is that they try to put everything in the same app now. And whereas, all, whereas before... If you want to do some really good color, you'd go into Resolve, do your color, and then come back into your editor. But now you're doing everything in the one, the one app with different tabs, and right. and that's what's confusing for me. Yeah, it's pretty confusing. And then they have this node-based editing. Oh, gosh. Yeah, and so if you want to correct just one clip, you have to 
you have to basically go into the coloring uh, tab, do something in that, and then go back to the editing tab. And then they have this kind of like iMovie like uh, quick edit tab now because I think they're trying to do stuff faster so people don't get too bogged down. Yeah. And and it's but it's very easy to just uh, start start your project in that editing tab if you're not that familiar with it. The quick edit or I don't know what it's called, but it's a fast editing tab. It's not like the real editor. And then a lot of stuff doesn't work. It's like, why isn't this working? Why can't I bring this up? Oh, I'm in the wrong tab. You know, right. and then click it over to the real editing tab. Yeah. So And then you've ruined the clip by that time and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. But but you know what I found I think I think with Resolve though, it's it's pretty darn advanced. Like it's yeah. amazing that how much it's progressed in just a few years. Like when it first came out, it was pretty basic. It was probably like iMovie level. And then they just started continued to add and refine it and adding more things to it and adding uh, this thing called Fusion, which is kind of it's kind of like the After Effects yep. somewhat uh, app. And 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 then also on top of that, they're adding all these extra things that are really only available um, in, in Resolve. Like, um, like for example, um, using gyroscopic data from the Blackmagic cameras, which just came out. So now you can actually, along with your footage, it records uh, positioning, like 3D positioning in space, yeah. along with along with the file, and then you can actually utilize that within DaVinci to steady your footage, um, and really, really well, like way better. It looks way better than warp stabilization or other post processing. It looks really wow, good. really yeah. That, that must be good. well. Yeah, I so, might have to revisit. I might yeah. have to revisit. You have to have a black at least just camera. for the. Uh, Oh well, that's true. Then, that, then <laughs> so, that doesn't help me. So get yeah. your get your um, 4K black pocket uh, camera because there's probably a lot of them on sale. I have a couple of them, um, and uh, and then start using DaVinci. But anyway, I think your iMovie choice is a valid choice. Don't be embarrassed. I won't Thank make you. fun of you. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. So, so when I submit my vacation videos to the academy, uh, I, I just won't tell them what I edited on. No, I, they're going to. I won't let them know. No, that they actually are going to create a new uh, best iMovie. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. And now oh, for best God. iMovie. Uh, hey, hey, you know what? I'll tell you what. Okay, so that that that, that vacation video that I sent you, uh, you know, it was roughly, it was close to an hour long, right? So yeah. it's just painfully long and stuff like that. Yeah. And but, uh, but Keith, the way the Mac Studio exported that with with the transitions and a little bit of color that I did to it and all this kind of stuff, uh, almost an hour long project i think got spit out in like under 11 minutes or something like that i know just it's, just incredible that incredible is, yes that is amazing and that that uh encoding those built-in encoders they have in the uh the chips the m1 max chips and the ultra chips are amazing and and especially i've noticed it especially in exporting it's really fast and so that that is a huge advantage when you're turning over projects, you know, when you're, because when I, when I turned over projects on my Intel machines and they're pretty long, sometimes the projects are long, they're like an hour, right. two hours long. It sure. takes forever. Oh yeah. You know, oh, it takes, yeah. it takes like real time or maybe two times real time. So you, yeah. it, it's like, 
you, you basically have to just encode it overnight or something. Uh, that's what I'm used to. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm used to encoding. I mean, absolutely anything on my old iMac overnight. I mean, yeah. that the, you, you built the list of what you need to encode, and then you hit the run button, and then you, and then you go to sleep, and then it should be done by the time you wake up. <laughs> yes. Crazy, yes. but but the, but this one, I mean, like I'm just sitting there watching it, and it's just going. And yeah. it's like, holy mackerel! Yeah. I mean, you know, it's absolute. So uh, for that, the Mac Studio was really, uh, really a, a great eye opener there when it comes to stuff like that, because that's where we really see the difference and where things are coming along. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. I think eventually the little kinks will be worked out and. And uh, I'm I'm happy with it. I'm I'm starting my system's starting to stabilize, and and uh, you know I just have to. I think I think get just getting back to the Mac Studio stuff. I think there might be some um, like some little bugs and things between peripherals, and yes, and I think that um, some things might just might not be that compatible. Like I'm thinking USB things are not as compatible, like older ones, because I'm having little issues with USB. And when if I want to eliminate those issues, I just oh. unplug unplug the You know the, what, Keith? We, yeah. we we gotta save this for another oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. segment Sorry. because Sorry. we have so <laughs> much I, I got so much I can rant on okay. on what doesn't work <laughs> on on the Mac Studio. Yeah. Holy Toledo. That's gonna be an entire show quite possibly. So it could be. You, you know, write that down. Let's put it in our, you know, in our next production meeting because that one we could go off. I'm sure mm-hmm. on. Yes, so yes. That, that's going to be incredible. No, you're absolutely right. There are some things that are just not playing nice, and and you and I talked about this earlier on too. It could be as simple as a certain cable that just doesn't work. Yeah. Yes. You know, and and ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about like if if there's a US, USB A cable, literally, it could be just that one cable. You switch out for a different one, and then the peripheral works. Yeah, it, yeah. it's something as dopey as that. Something as dopey, and and probably those same cables worked on the previous computers. So, yeah, yeah. it's weird stuff. Yeah, but anyway. Well, hey, uh, thank you for not. Uh, iMovie shaming me. <laughs> I appreciate that. And I really appreciate your compliment on my uh, blockbuster movie that I that I produced yes. of my vacation. I'm you're lucky I didn't include the Rod Louis nude scenes. In it. So that I, I, I'm because I'm trying to make it family friendly. Yes. So you want to be able you. to to have the Academy uh, give it the G rating. Right, exactly. I don't want to limit my audience for heaven's sakes. So uh, thank you very much. Okay, very good. So folks, the the bottom line here is don't be shy to use iMovie if you are like Rod Louie and have no patience to learn anything else. So feel free to do that because it's certainly capable uh, and uh, it'll work. All right, very good. Uh, Let's do this. Let's take a break and we'll come back with another segment right here on Tech Move.
Welcome back to Tech Move, Rod, Louie, and Keith Moreau. And uh, I was talking to you early on, Keith, about uh, now the, the pandemic is, you know, it is what it is, right? And and people are going out and trying to live their lives uh, as, as best they can with uh, mindfulness uh, at the top of the thought process, at least I would hope. And uh, I am no different. Uh, I am going to be doing some traveling and uh, specifically a big travel uh, thing that I've got going on is going to Africa and I'm going to be going on safari. Yes, I am going to be the new crocodile Dundee and heading out to Africa. And as exciting as that sounds, I have purchased some new equipment that I'd like to share with you and our fine listeners. And, uh, and I'd like to get your opinion on it, if I may. Yes. Um, so, as you well know, Keith, I'm uh, the biggest uh, GH uh, Panasonic fanboy that there is. And so the lovely GH4 that I've got going, I said that, well, you know, I'm going on safari and I've got the the kit lens. And uh, what is that kit lens? What 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 is it? It's like 35 to, what is that, 35 um, to 125 or something like that or 100? Is, is, that, is uh, that what it is? Are you talking about the original kit lens? The original kit lens. No, I think it's a wider range. I think it's like 15 to 140 or something crazy. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I always liked it. I always thought that was a really great kit lens and stuff like that. It covered a lot of covered a lot of space and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. But then, okay, so I've been using that for years. You know, of course I've gone ahead and got the Sigma 18 to 35, which is fantastic. Yes. But 18 to 35 doesn't really help me as far as distance or anything like that. It looks great and all this kind of stuff, but it's heavy. It's a it's a heavy lens. It's it's an art lens. It's heavy, right? A uh, lot of glass in it, and all this kind of stuff. So what I decided to do, I said, you know, I, I'm not going to spend a ton of money. I'm going to go and get a lens now. Oh, well, let me let me let me precede that. I had this old Tamron uh, lens. I had a uh, I have this uh, eighty five to two hundred millimeter. Tamron lens that I had for an old Nikon that I used to have moons ago. Right. It's not a great lens. Right. It's totally manual. Doesn't do anything. I bought uh, this uh, adapter for it to, to for it to fit on a micro four thirds. It's awful. I think it's like I might as well have cut a tin can, welded it onto the GH4 and the <laughs> Tamron lens. I probably could have gotten the same result. It's just awful. Right. It's terrible. So I said, forget this crap. Maybe I should invest a little bit of money and get a Panasonic lens, you know, telephoto lens native for it. And, you know, let, let me see what I can get. And out there is the original 100 to 300 millimeter Panasonic lens uh, that's still being sold today. There's a, there, there's a second version of it that's out there now. But I got the original version. I got it used, 
and I got a fairly good price on it. I, I think I uh, got it for like three hundred and twenty bucks or something like that mm-hmm. for a one hundred to three hundred millimeter um, uh, distance. Uh, uh, it has image stabilization on it. Of, of course, it has autofocus. You know, uh, 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 with it. And I, I received the thing, and I tested it out. I think it's ter- terrific. I think it's terrific. I think it's it's pretty sharp. It's mm-hmm. sharp enough for me. Mm-hmm. Um, with the image stabilization, it, it, it's pretty steady. Uh, I think it takes pretty good video. I think I'm set. I'm going to take the original kit lens along with this 100-300. That's going to do me. Wow. I, I said that's enough. That's wow. enough. Wow. Awesome. Uh, of course, I'm gonna, uh, of course I'm going to take the the GoPro uh, with me for like those wider shots and stuff like that. But uh, uh, in in one of our past segments, the GoPro is great for like the landscapes, yeah, and and being nice and wide. But if you want to get kind of close to really anything, uh, that's why I thought that this 100 to 300 was really the way to go. Right. So are you going to take that one? Which is fairly small and light, right? It's not like gigantic. You are correct, and yeah. it, and it doesn't uh, uh, it doesn't barrel out. Okay, it does. Uh, you you it know actually why it stays we're... compact. It doesn't correct. extend. And yeah, correct. that's actually really good too. That's yeah. really good. I li- I like that. So, um, and then are you going to take any other lenses besides so that? The- I'm I'm taking the two, which is the original kit lens that uh, was eighteen to. 100 or something whatever it is okay. i should really look in the i should really look in the closet and figure out which one it is but i'm going to take that original lens for kind of like my uh you know more up close uh uh-huh. type of things uh-huh. and then uh i'm also taking the 100 to 300 and then the gopro and that is it that's all i'm taking okay so you're not taking the like the 12 to 35 or in that range I am not. I, I I will not take that. And and I'm wondering if that you you know like I thought about taking the the Sigma art lens uh, because here on another note, um, I have a uh, a Sigma eighteen to thirty five, which is as yeah. you know a terrific lens. It's a really great, but it's heavy. It's heavy. Yeah. And I use a Viltrox speed booster. I'm not using Metabones. I'm using a Viltrox. Right. Uh, I finally, a couple days ago, I, for the first time ever, since I bought the thing, decided to update its firmware. Right. And the firmware update is, is supposedly improves autofocus. And it did. I thought it, I thought it performed really, really great. And so like now I'm thinking, man, do I bring the, the Sigma with me too? But gosh darn it, that thing is heavy. Yeah. I would probably avoid taking that because it's just a big very blocky heavy yes and it sticks out a lot yeah it's a it's an amazing lens but yep. but it's also i mean i use it all the time for for interviews if i don't want a super sharpness it's like one of the sharpest lens i have lenses right. i have and uh but you know you probably don't need that um yeah the only the only if you do have a your kit lens gets pretty pretty uh wide so i think that's if you bring that kit lens which may not have the best low light but you know probably be doing stuff during the day mostly and that's probably fine right um and then you have your gopro for like if you're inside the uh because you're going to be in a car a lot right looking at outside i hope so i hope yeah. they don't make me do this on foot yeah that's the whole thing and be eaten alive by 
animals. Right. So, so you might want to get some stuff of you inside the car, which won't be as bright, but, um, the GoPro might work for that. Um, and if yeah. not, um, you could try to use the Lumix. So I think your, I think your lens selection is pretty good. That 100 to 300 though, that's going to be so, t- so telephoto. That's going to be the equivalent of 200 to 600. So, that's right. Yeah. So, uh, just remember that that's, that's pretty telephoto. And you won't I, be able he, to get anything uh, super close. Uh, he, he, that's a close he, up. Oh, I, I agree. And yeah. I've already I've already seen I've already tested it out and my gracious, I have to be pretty far away. Yeah. And that still gives me this really tight shot of of something or someone. Yeah. So you you're right. I mean, like wherever I go, I'm gonna have to have both lenses with me and just do quick changes and all this kind of stuff. But one thing that you brought to my attention before, which kind of got me a little bit concerned, is even though there's image stabilization on the telephoto lens, is that, uh, you know, even zoomed in like that, the hand is still relatively shaky. Oh, yeah. yeah. And and so, however, I am really not looking forward to having to bring a tripod. I really don't want to do that, nor do I really want to bring a monopod with me either, for they might think it's like some sort of weapon I'm trying to club baby seals with or something like that. So you, you, do you have any recommendations for me for something like that? Yeah. Um, well, do you have... Uh, so monopods, you, you can get some pretty lightweight ones. And um, you don't have to get the really heavy-duty you know, professional ones. It's just something to put on the floor of the car or on the ground so that when you do take a telephoto, it's not going to be, it's going to be usable because right. it's, it's going to be very challenging to, especially when you're inside a car and you can't really brace yourself very well. Uh, maybe if you're like next to the window, you could just lean it on the window. Right. Um, and then you can kind of just use the viewfinder or the LCD to actually aim it. Um, and just lean it on the windowsill or something like that. That would probably be the no tripod solution. But if you can bring something somewhat steady, I have a really small travel tripod that's all carbon fiber and it's, you know, it probably weighs about three pounds and that can, that can be like a monopod because you could just use it all closed up. And so you don't have to use any, uh, floor space for that. And you can just use, but just use it to steady it or you can slightly extend the legs so that at least it's somewhat stable. Um, I might see if you can find something like that at least. I I, I, I kind of like the idea of like maybe some sort of travel monopod that maybe I can find because I, I like you have a quote unquote travel tripod. It's yeah. a really nice one. I forgot the name of it, but it's really, really nice. And I can actually take off one of the legs to use as a monopod. Yeah. But again, it's a little too big. Yeah. It's those. I know the which one you're talking about. It's 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 travel quote quote travel, but it's not really like a super miniature one, it's, right? And they're still heavy. I yeah. mean, three pounds is still three pounds. You yeah. Know? Well, um, I guess it just depends on how how long your shots are. <laughs> yeah, so, that's true too. Yeah, yeah. But um, you know, or figure out some logistical way to kind of steady the camera for those long shots. You'll probably be stopped in the car, so that part's good. If you have that's like true. a on your GH4, if you have like an eye cup that you can press up to your eye, and then that'll give like you like a loop sa- type of thing, yeah, like a, like, yeah. like an eye cup. Yeah. So on all my um, hybrid um, mirrorless cameras, 
I actually have a special iCup that's that sticks out farther than the the teeny useless one that's on that comes with the yes. cameras. Yes. And it, it's it's like a big rubber cup that you can push against your eye. Um, that's in the shape of an eye, right? Yeah. It's, so, sometimes so it's, it's in the shape, and sometimes it's just um, the same all around. You know, like a, a circle or a, right. like a rec, like a rounded rectangle. Okay. Um, and there's a few companies that make them. I think there's a place, uh, one company called Gorilla. They make a G cup, and um, I believe they make a G cup for the GH4. And it's it's not expensive. It's like twenty five bucks or less for uh, if you get it new. And then there's a few other manufacturers of similar things. I think Hoodman might might sell one too. Just something to push up against your face. Yeah. And then you can cool. kind of keep your arms close to your body, like your elbows down at your chest, and then you can. Um, push it up against your eye and you get, and it's actually pretty steady when you do that. Um, if you do that, then you might not need a tripod if you're not moving, you know, if the car is not moving, if it's just sit, sitting there while you're looking at a, a rhino that's, you know, really far away. Right. Right. Like a hundred uh, feet away or more. I, I'm looking at the G cup right now and I, I, I like that. I might, I might yeah. have to, I might have to do that. Yeah. It, it looks, sticks out, but the bottom, good. the cool thing is that the bottom of it's kind of carved out. Yeah. So it it allows you to swing out the LCD uh, out and back. It doesn't get in the way of it. Some of them actually will impede the LCD, so you have to take your LCD, kind of like push it f- through the rubber. Right. And and then and then it's out. But right. and then some of them are. And then this G cup has a kind of a, a squared off bottom, so it doesn't get get in the way. That's so cool. um, yeah. So I actually like like that that model. And there's a few different brands, but I like that model. I like that. I'm going to investigate that myself. Yeah, oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah that's at least great. that. Yeah. yeah, that that eye that the the fact that you have your eye and then the two hands adds so much more stability for any, okay. for anything really, but especially right. for telephoto. I think I'm going to take that advice. I'm yeah, gonna, I'm going to look into that, uh, and I'm also going to look to see what kind of monopods they have. They have like really super collapsible ones, you know, that almost like uh, old you know, a TV rabbit ear type of yeah, <laughs> yeah. collapsible thing that, that might work, but sometimes um, I use a self, like they have some pretty heavy duty selfie sticks, which actually have some yes. use as far as doing your own selfies too. That's um, true. And holding yeah. up your camera, your GoPro or whatever, and just kind of getting yourself, but not just the typical two feet away of true. a, of a vlog type angle. So they yep. have those. And then sometimes you can get like a, a mini tripod, uh, that yeah. just screws onto the bottom of those, and I've used those as well. You, you know, I used to use those gorilla pods. Do you remember those? The, yeah, um, yeah, the kind of bendy ones. Yeah, the f- bendy ones. Mm-hmm. I hated that. Yeah, no, those are the good. the 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 legs always broke off. Do they actually uh, break on yours? <laughs> yeah, they they actually broke off, and 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 you're playing like Legos with them, trying to piece them back together again. Maybe now they're okay, but but that was one thing that you know, like you know, when you wrap it around the post once, that's great, but then after that, it gets so bendy. I'm not so sure. It may, again, maybe now they're a little bit better. I might have to try one of those because I, especially the full size ones, those look pretty decent, but uh, I'd have to see. I, I, I wouldn't recommend, well, those are good for special things when you want to grab onto something and right. like, a, like a pole, but right. just in general as a tripod, no, I wouldn't recommend that, especially for your size camera. 
But, it's too, yeah, it's too heavy. Yeah. Too heavy. But yeah, I would, I, I would look into um, a heavy, uh, you know, like an aluminum, not a plastic one, um, just a, a, the type of little mini tripods that you maybe screw on the bottom of a, of a gimbal to just yeah. set it up. Right. Um, there's right. some of them that I have that I've repurposed, that I got them with a gimbal and I just repurposed them to use them in these really fast uh, portable situations because they, they, they unscrews and then you can just have this six inch long thing and then you have your selfie stick that can go pretty pretty high yeah um and then you you've got your you've got pretty much got your monopod yeah that's and, a good idea yeah. yeah so that's a good idea because I, I mean i use a kind of like a desktop tripod for my gopro yeah and and, and i use that I should just buy another one because it's super heavy duty. Mm-hmm. I love it. And it's got this nice low wide tripod stance. Yeah. So so it, it has a lot of sp- stability and stuff like that because it's nice and low. Uh, but it does take up a lot of space, but so what? Because yeah. it's you know, so heavy. But you're right, maybe that's the thing that I need to have. May I need to have two of those and just use it for both cameras. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And does it have a little ball head on it? That's the beauty of it, yeah, I, is yeah. that I can adapt it to 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 have to put one of my ball heads yeah. on there. So if you put a ball head on it, then you can just kind of loosen it, and then you have yep. a kind of swivelly thing that it doesn't yes. have to be sticking straight up. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. then I can angle it anywhere I want. Like if I'm sitting in a car seat or something like that, I can have it in between my legs and extend it out and mm-hmm. use it that way. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. that's that's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Very good. I will. Uh, I will share with you and the listening audience uh, <laughs> what comes of it uh, after I'm attacked and mauled by the uh, by the animals out in the uh, in the tundra. So okay. I will let you know how it goes. Okay, it'll be very exciting, and hopefully, I'll have the cameras running for that very exciting footage. So <laughs> we are going to take a break. So thank you very much, Keith, for all the advice. I will uh, take it under advisement, under consideration, and depending upon my wallet. uh, (laughs) Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Okay, look, let's take another break, and we'll come back with more on Tech Move. Well, welcome again to Tech Move. It is Rod Louie along with the great Keith Moreau, and we are talking about something that's very interesting to me. And um, I want to know a little bit more about gimbals because I am interested in getting uh, my gimbal off the ground. And Keith knows exactly what I'm talking about, which is a two like probably a 20-year-old gimbal uh, <laughs> that I got from Keith, which is the beautiful Nebula 4000. Which Ooh, the Nebula. I know, which, well, and, and I don't know if our listening audience remembers or not, but the Nebula 4000 came out, I think, in, I don't know, 1960 or something <laughs> like that. And uh, it, it's, 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 uh, it, it's, it's, you know, I mean, when it came out, it was fantastic, right? And and actually, I'd gotten it to work a, a couple of times, but I think one of the things that I find to be a little bit 
uh, tough to do is that when you take it off the gimbal and then you got to put it back on, it's like starting all over from scratch. Yeah. And, and it's, it's difficult to, to balance and, and get it all together again to the point where, you know what? In body stabilization, uh, sta- stabilized lenses. You know what? I think I'll go with that. You know, that, 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 that's pretty much it. Or, you know, or Keith, if you remember many years ago, Mr. Lee's uh, stabilizing uh, thing that I made with my brother in law, uh, which is essentially uh, metal piping with a five pound disc weight plate. Uh, <laughs> at the bottom of it to, so it like counterbalances weight of a camera uh i might use that instead but uh it, but it's a kind of labeled as a dangerous weapon so i won't do it anyway back to the gimbals so <laughs> the, the the gimbals the nebula 4000 one of those things that's a little bit difficult to take on and off and then you know and then redo it and stuff like that yeah i want to know keith uh from you because i think you have just purchased yet another new gimbal <laughs> and i'm very interested in hearing about this because the technology has to be so much better than the uh than the nebula 4000 times yeah nebula 4000 that's brings back memories that was i think that was the <laughs> god it must have been let, seven eight let, ten years ago let, let, let's put it this way when it came out of the box, which is a beautiful box, right? Came, came that nice oh, yeah. uh, uh, carrying case and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You actually had to do a lot of customization to it yourself. Uh, you put in your own thumb screws on oh, yeah. it, yeah. these micro thumb screws, which is great. <laughs> I mean, it, it really, really worked well and and all this kind of stuff. But man, if if you if you unscrew it too much and you lose <laughs> it, you know, <laughs> yeah. It's rough. It was rough. Oh, yeah. So anyway, where are we? Uh, so you got something new. Okay. I'll tell you why, about why, my why new don't, thing. Why don't, you, yeah. why, why don't you introduce this new time? Because now we're in, you know, 2022 now. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, what's out there now. Okay. So what's out there now is there's several different gimbal makers. Uh, probably totally different than back in the day when we got our Nebula 4000s, which is that the brand? That's yeah. now defunct, right? So they're, they've. I, I don't think they're I, I, around I anymore. think I think Nebula is probably a biotech company <laughs> by now. So. They totally changed their direction. Right. They they ch- changed their focus. They're, so, they're either a car dealership or a biotech company. There's uh, <laughs> or some type of social media app. Right. <laughs> Tired of making your own thumb screws for our gimbal. Right. Talk about ah, it on our social right. media. Um, exactly. Yeah. So back then, I mean, that was like the Wild West days. It was so it was so cool because, like, it was so new and gimbals. Uh, I'm just going to give you a little bit of background before we talk about this new product. But um, I, I I think I've been just obsessed with gimbals like since the concept came about because I was always interested in getting super steady movement from some kind of handheld device and um and i know i knew that gimbals did exist because i knew that there were some um drones that had kind of low quality gimbals in them Uh, like the really really initial drones that had these and i did some um helicopter work a long time ago i mean drone helicopter work a long time ago 
and there were there was always these forums and things that were talking about, hey, I made this super cool gimbal out of this thing and this part and jury rigged this and there were just wires sticking out and it could fail and crash at any moment. <laughs> but um yes, but I was just I just I just knew that like it was possible. Like even before they even came out. I knew that the te- technology was there. Um so when they first came out I was just so excited but I just got I think I think the I can't remember the first gimbal I got was one for the for the uh, GoPro like a really little one or or this bigger one that would hold my GH cameras I think at that time was the GH1 or something or just a small small uh, camera um, but I got this one I think it was from Kame TV and it, it looked like an Erector set I don't know if you remember that it was like well, I remember yeah. all the Kame TV products that came out. Yeah. They were not like put in your pocket type of things. No. Because th- that took a few iterations and years before it became those pocket size type of things. Oh, yeah. They were they were pretty DIY. They were very uh, like DIY looking and crude. And some of their stuff nowadays is even kind of crude because I just got something recently and I'm returning it. But it's like, <laughs> just put this on the lathe and let's get this, get this out and sell it. <laughs> Don't here's worry. A, here, here's an unused pipe or broom <laughs> handle we've got. Let's turn this into something. Yeah, let's just spare parts and sell it and market it. Right. But uh, yeah, but it was like a bunch of like carbon fiber, uh, like little ladder things that made tubes, and uh, it was just it look you could see through it pretty much, you know. <laughs> and then it was just a bunch of wires, and then if if you accidentally made it, it was all connected with wires, so you couldn't like. You couldn't rotate around too much or all the wires would get twisted and break, you know, because <laughs> everything was, all the gimbal parts were wired to each other. It wasn't this brushless gimbal thing happening. So now I think you can just rotate them forever and nothing bad happens, but you'd actually have to be careful with this. And maybe yours too. Maybe you're 4,000. That was still maybe in the days where you couldn't do that, but. It is kind of true. I mean, like, you know, you can see uh, the wires are threaded nicely. However, they're very thin. They seem very fragile. And you definitely don't want to lose control of the gimbal in case it spins around (laughs) 360 degrees because then you're popping something loose. Yeah, then you have to go in and solder. But anyway, yeah, so that was and I was fascinated with that. And it was really cool. It wasn't perfect because it was like it would kind of list you know, it wouldn't stay level in the in the environment. You have to kind of like, okay, it's starting to list, so I'm gonna just correct my hand and make it go this way. So yeah, and then so I've I've gotten I've got I have a lot of gimbals now. Like over the years, I've just gotten them as they've progressed. So I had that that one, those two little gimbals, and then I got yours, the Nebula, which was the best one at the time, as it was small and single handed. Absolutely. Yeah. And and actually, let's face it, very well constructed. Yeah, it was really solid. It, it was re- it's, re- it's very solid. Yeah. I think I actually got two of them. And I, I okay. and I think I might have sold one of them because I don't it didn't it didn't show up in my gimbal drawer <laughs> when I was taking out all my gimbals. Because recently I've been trying to sell stuff and I'm looking like, could I sell this gimbal? Could I sell this thing? And, and I'm looking at eBay for Especially gimbals, which I think their their depreciation is like infinite. <laughs> Once a gimbal is one year old, it's worth you have to pay somebody to take it, basically. <laughs> so, um, right. but I, but in the doing this, I broke out all my gimbals. So I have like five gimbals just all set up on their little stands and balanced and working, just in case I want to sell them. And they actually have cameras on them so that I can test them. But um, 
Yeah, so there was that one. So I, so I've gotten all these emails. So so there's another brand that's also very popular called Z- Zayun. Right. And I have a couple. I actually have four of their gimbals because for a while they were they were like the only game in town. This was before DJI started coming out with their stuff because DJI was just really focusing on the really big two-handed gimbals, the initial Ronin, which I actually also have one of. Uh, and I got the original Ronin because it has a payload of like 17 pounds. So you can, Whoa. yeah, it's, That's it's, huge. it's a pain to set up and, 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 you know, do that thing that you're talking about with all the, you know, like once it's set up, you don't want to touch it. <laughs> right. It, it's almost, I mean, I almost felt like you want to buy a dedicated camera that you'll leave on there forever. Right. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. And, and just never touch it. Never and, touch it. That's what yeah. people do actually. They do set aside yeah. that. Um, but anyway, so I got the big Ronin, and I I've used it a couple times. I did it for car mounting and mounting big cameras. So it's, uh, but it's it's a pain, and it has it's actually I bought it used for not much. It was only like five hundred dollars used in this gigantic case. You know those Pelican cases. I mean, it's probably like five thousand dollars worth of stuff in there when it was first, you know, produced and made and sold. But now it's just a piece of junk, you know, sitting in my garage. <laughs> that do I want to take this out for any reason? So I need a door to stop. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so then then I got um, so I got a bunch of the Zions and the one that I really liked was the, the Weeble because it had a really innovative design where you could kind of flip it upside down and do this two mode it had a special handle on it. So you could do this inverted kind of briefcase mode really easily uh, and comfortably. And I actually got two of those. I still have those. Those are worth five bucks. And uh, <laughs> and then I got the the um, Zion Crane two, and the reason I got that that one is because it had really good payload, so you could put bigger cameras on it, you know, like more professional cinema cameras on it. And I have that, and then I then I got the original Ronin S. That was the first uh, single handed gimbal that they sold, and it was really powerful. And I got it for the payload, and I used it a lot. That's actually the one that I've used the most. Um, the thing that was really cool about it was it had um, a lot of parameters where you could program it through the DJI, DJI app, and you could have it like go from one point to another. Like, I want this to be the start point, I want this to be the end point, and I want it to take two hours. So you could do some really cool like time lapses and kind of like tracking shots that were you could repeat them. Like, if it didn't work out, you could reprogram the key points and stuff and have it do this movement. So that part was really cool, and that's really useful you know, for, for production and stuff to be able to be repeatable and not to be relying on your panning motion, you know, your, your human motion to move something like over time, like you could glitch or something. So it's really cool to just have it automated. I want to go from here to here in a really smooth movement. So that's super useful for these things. So anyway, um, it's been a while since I, since I got a gimbal. So that was the last one I got. And I think I got that like four years ago and it's been fine since. Um, but uh, after I sold all this equipment and gathered all my gimbals, I said, you know what? I wonder what's out there with new gimbals. Like, what's what's the new tech? And, of course, I look at all the YouTube and all the new people, the people that are reviewing products. And lots of people were talking about this new um, Ronin. Uh, it's called the Ronin RS3 and RS3 Pro. So the RS3 is a smaller but brand new gimbal that DJI sells. It has pretty much looks the same as the RS3 Pro, but the RS3 Pro is a little bit bigger. Um, has a a bigger payload and is a little bit larger for cameras that can that, that are just larger in dimensions because um, that's one of the limitations with drones I mean sorry with gimbals they they can only go so far and then they start hitting the frame if the camera's too big like if the lens is too long or if they're just too too big 
So so this frame is pretty large, um, which makes it a bit larger and, and less um, stealthy. But I just decided to get that because that's kind of my my go-to is, is to it is to have bigger cameras sometimes. Um, anyway, yeah, so I got the, uh, the Ronin RS3 Pro. And the thing that's cool about the Pro version versus the regular version is that it has these add-ons, potential add-ons. One of the big add-ons it has is LiDAR. So LiDAR has always been... Or, or radar or autofocusing has always been a dream of mine. And I remember maybe like four or five years ago, there was another company. I don't think it was DJI. I think it was some other company that may or may not be in business anymore. But they had this big like rangefinder unit that you'd mount on anything. It didn't have to be a gimbal, but you'd mount it on your camera and it would somehow interface with focus with these manual focus motors and and move the focus motors because they have these teeth on the on the lenses and they interact with the teeth and grip them and and would allow you to do autofocusing. But you had to have this big honking thing that was not that reliable. Anyway, DJI came out. So it's like a it's like an automated follow focus essentially is what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, it's an auto it's an, exactly. That's exactly what mm-hmm. it is. It's like a it's a you can do this motorized. Motorized, right. Motorized and and the the motorized um, follow focus motors and things have been in gimbals for a really long time. In fact, I have the motorized follow focus on all almost all the Zions I have and as well as the uh, old Ronin S, the original single-handle gimbal. I actually have the follow focus thing on there, which is really cool because with a dial, you can actually use a manual lens or even even a, a regular lens that has a focus, as long as it has a, a focus-geared ring around it, and you can engage it, and you can actually just focus from your handle. So it's sometimes easier than than, than having a manual follow focus which was up, up by the lens. So sometimes you, like in the old days, you would have this, this dial that was near this knob that was near your lens that engaged the teeth. Well, now you can have this little motor that engages the teeth and the motor is wireless. And then there's a controller and you can put that anywhere you want in some cases. Sometimes this is just a part of the gimbal and you can't change the location, but in other cases you can actually have it remotely. So, um, yeah, so that always existed. That's existed for years. But now the new inclusion is controlling that motor with this this LiDAR unit, which can actually allow you to have autofocus on a manual Which lens. is incredible. Yeah. That, 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 that really is a game changer, isn't it? I think it's a game changer for this level of, um, I would say, reliability as well as size. Um, so I got, the, I got the LiDAR unit, which is not cheap. I think it's like 600 bucks or something. So it's like almost the price of the gimbal. <laughs> right. But right. I, I really like it because the potential is really great because it would be really great to be able to use manual lenses rather than autofocus lenses and to be able to trust it and and to switch back into I don't you don't have to always be in auto mode, but have the choice saying like I just I'm just getting too tired of focusing. Okay, I'm gonna put it on auto mode. I'm gonna draw a little box around the person's face and then just have the the, uh, the gimbal and this LiDAR thing do all the work. And another thing that's really cool about this particular LiDAR unit is you can actually, once you set up the lenses on the, the gimbal, so you have to have a gimbal to do this initial setup with the LiDAR. But once you've done that, then it has three settings. So for three different lenses. So you could actually um, set it up for, say, for example, like a wide lens, you know, like a 14 millimeter, like super wide, like that will be lens one. The second one might be just a typical like medium lens, like a 35 millimeter. 
And then the last one might be like an 85, say, for example. So you have those three really good manual lenses that you own. You have the focus rings on them, and you set them all up, and then you can actually take this whole camera off your gimbal, and you can still use the LiDAR unit. So you could have... Oh, that's neat. Yeah, so you don't have to have the Ronin gimbal involved. The LiDAR unit theoretically can operate this thing. I haven't personally used it, but I know that's possible. That that would be really neat, because then you could convert from being on the gimbal to... Uh, uh, just having it like ultra run and gun yeah. without that stabilization of the gimbal. Yeah, as long as you have the motor and the lighter unit attached to something that you can de detach from the gimbal pretty easily, like you don't have to unplug a bunch of stuff, then maybe you unplug one thing and then you take it off and you put it on your tripod or you put it on your, your shoulder rig or your some other rig that you might have or just handhold it. And that, that part is really cool. So it actually has a lot of interesting uses. How how heavy is the lidar units? Uh, the lidar. Uh, if you if if you were to you know do that, if you were to take it off the gimbal, and you know because you, you know your particular application, you're using it with your f your f seventy. Is that right? It's called the Canon C seventy. In this case, the I, Canon I, C seventy. I, I just I just using this camera because it's one of the heavier cameras I have. Right. And uh, I have um, I just wanted to try it out with that. You could put it on any camera you want. There's, there's, you know, you could use it with your GH4 or GH5 potentially. It might be a little light for it, but it's still going to function properly. And the actual lighter unit is small. It's, um, it's small and light. It's probably like a few ounces. It really does not oh, weigh. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. Well, that's not. So it doesn't add too much weight to the camera. That's really what I'm trying to no, find out. No, it doesn't. That's pretty good. It's very insignificant. It's probably much less than even a small lens. And then you need the the motor as well, and that's pretty light as well. So both those things combined with the wires, the cables, it's, it's pretty light. Um, it's not just bad. yeah. It's just that it you know it adds a little bit of complexity to your to your rig, but you know, it's it it gives you a lot of versatility. Like you don't have to use it. Let, let, let's go back to my original complaint about gimbals as a whole. What is, what is the, it, it, the mounting of the camera onto a gimbal, oh, yeah. even one as brand new as your, uh, you know, as your Ronin, you know, RS3. Yeah. Uh, you know, because my Nebula, you know, you got, you, you got to worry about that side one you got to worry about the the bottom one you know and i'm talking about thumb screws to screw it in just right you got to balance it this way shove it over to the to the this to the left or a little bit to the right move it a little <laughs> forward all this kind of stuff is if it's facing down it's no good if it's facing up it's no good you know how about it today um today it's it's all the same principles there's three different axes that you have to have to balance have to make Sure, they're pretty balanced. Um, that hasn't changed. Uh, the thing that's changed is that nowadays you can lock the different axes. So you can just focus on one axis. You can focus on the adjustment of one axis at a time. So I usually do the this axis, the uh, tilt axis first. Mm -hmm. um, it's the one that where you're, if you were on tripod. It's it would, like the horizon, the horizon. It would be like, um, like, like pointing down or up. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So it would be tilt. Right. Like if you're on a tripod, it would be you have your tripod and you're tilting down and up. It's that motor. So it's the motor on the very right side of the, the gimbal in most cases. And it's the one, and it rotates up and down. So I usually try to get the balance right on that. 
but I have all the other axes locked. So I don't have to deal with all this um, like wiggling and extra stuff. So that part is really good. Um, oh yeah, actually, just just on the side, another thing about this, it's kind of a gimmick, but it's actually a really useful gimmick on this new Ronin RS3, both, both the RS3 and the RS3 Pro, they actually have automatically locking uh, axes. So if you want to put it to sleep, you just touch a button and it goes click, click, click back into the original position and doesn't move. So all the, it's like stationary. They're all locked. You don't have to do it by hand. And then when you take it out of sleep, they all unlock and it becomes a gimbal again. So, mm. so that's pretty cool. And then also when you turn it off and you can decide if you want to have it fold up into a very compact position, which is really cool, but also potentially dangerous if you have a bunch of like monitors on your camera and it'll hit stuff. In fact, that happened to me where it's like almost snapped off my LCD. So I don't, I'm not using that mode, but it, <laughs> but if you're okay with that mode, it'll flip everything into a really compact thing so you can store it and, you know, transport it in that mode. But that's actually really useful. Because sometimes you don't want your gimbal to be even on. You just want it to be like resting and not using power. But you don't want it. You don't want it to be just all floppy, right? And and you don't want to have to right. manually lock it. All these things every time because it's time consuming to find little buttons to lock them and and do that. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. getting back to the whole locking thing. So if you just do that one at a time, and also okay, so that's that part's good. I think the mechanisms have gotten a little bit more sophisticated as far as moving the the parts around to balance it. Um, but but surprisingly not not as sophisticated as they should be like i would love to have like little thumb screws that just kind of you could just dial it and dial it up by increments so you wouldn't have to yes. like hold the whole thing and like kind of yes. push it up and then lock it right. and then test it yeah like why can't right. you just like dial it in you know that would be the ultimate thing right i think that's the that's the toughest thing for like you know, those of us who still use the nebula, right? Because <laughs> because what you want to do is you just want to move it to the right or left or forward or back, just a smidgen. But then your own strength of your hand all the time always forces it way too far forward, way too far back yeah. or whatever it yeah. is, you know, rather than having some sort of assistance or guidance to help you do that and and gradually so it doesn't like jerk into the yeah. next position jerk that's jerk. that's what it is because you just like like you said <laughs> you just need just a little smidgen yeah. i just gotta move it a, a you know what would be a millimeter or something yeah. like that and you end up going a half inch yeah i don't know why there aren't just dials with little gears on on, on all the different axes because actually it's very easy to do that in fact the original ronin the big the big one that's that's collecting dust somewhere Maybe the rats have ate it, but uh, <laughs> that that one actually. So for the the vertical up and down um, axes, that one actually has a little dial that you can dial in. It has like a little gear dial thing, so you can incrementally do it. But none of the other axes do. On this one, one of them, the the one that goes forward and backward. So imagine you have you have the you put your your you slide it in the part that slides back and forth, forward and backward. That actually does have a little adjustment, so it has a little um, a little dial that's connected kind of to the uh, tripod plate, kind of like a Manfrotto plate. So yep. to the left of the Manfrotto plate, you can just dial it before you lock it. You can dial it back and forth, and I think they put that in because a lot of people will change a lens, and that changes the forward backward um, balance. Right, but it doesn't exactly. actually change too much of the other balances. So you could probably get away with just fine tuning that a little bit. 
or maybe you have a zoom lens and then you zoom it in or out and the thing moves forward or backward and that changes the balance so that you can dial it in more precisely with that. So that part is really cool. Um, another technique that I found recently was that if you're moving uh, things around, if you if you support the weight of the camera before you do the movement, then there's a lot less friction on that particular um, axis that you're pushing back and forth. So one technique is lift the camera a bit so it's not lifting off the, the ground, but just lift it up enough where it takes very little force to push it back and forth. And then you'll probably find it's a little bit easier. So just cradle the camera and then push back and forth. That's a good point. Yeah. Because uh, uh, obviously with all the weight being supported by a, you know, one or two thumb screws or something like that, obviously, you know, is there'll be some jarring whenever you try and move that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing too, is that just it, over the years, I think the gambles have gotten a little bit stronger and a little bit more sophisticated about they, how they handle imperfections. So now you don't have to be quite as careful. Like before with the nebula days, it had to be perfect or the, the gimbal just go nuts and just right. act really weird. Yes. Uh, now it doesn't have to be as perfect. It, it just close. So if you get yeah. it close and then you do this, um, there's an auto, auto calibration on almost all of them now. So you click the auto calibration in the gimbal and some gimbals, uh, you can use the app if they don't have a little screen, but a lot of gimbals nowadays have little screens. So they have a little interface. And I like, I like the interface with the DJI Ronin 2 and 3 um, because they're very intuitive. And you can just go to the settings, and then you, there's a gimbal auto-calibrate. You click it. It does some shaking, moves back and forth. And then it actually is it, – it, it knows – it could say, okay, this is a little out of balance, so I'm going to make this motor a little bit stronger. Uh, and if it's too much out of balance, it'll just say, sorry, can't do it. It'll go through its movements, and it'll just give up and say, you got to balance it. You're, you're an idiot. Get, go back. <laughs> go back and do it right. But right. for the most part, if it's pretty close, then it'll do some of the fine-tuning, and that actually makes it quicker. So to answer your question, yes, it's quicker. It's way quicker now. So I actually yeah. can get – and I'm pretty good at balancing anyway because just all the experience of years and years. So this setup, even though it looks gigantic and hard to balance, it took me like two minutes to balance it. Wow, that's really great. Yeah. It's really quick. That's really, really good. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. All right. So yeah. Okay. So there's hope. There is hope. <laughs> there is hope. Uh, well, no, that's 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 good news. And folks, what we're going to do is we're going to, you know, I think uh, Keith just. When did you get this? When did you get the RS3? I think I probably got it two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Yeah. So, you know, I think what we'll do is that we'll probably do a maybe a little fuller review. Yeah. Uh, of the unit once you kind of get it out in the field yeah. and you give it a, a real test drive and we'll get your thoughts on it. Who knows? Maybe this one might you might find on eBay uh, again uh, in in another few weeks here. for five bucks. Right, for, <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. And uh, and we go back to Mister Lee's uh, metal pipe and and weight set uh, that I've created. He might go back to that unit. Very shortly, but uh, let's uh, let's revisit the uh, DJI Ronin uh, RS3 uh, once you uh, get a little bit more experience on this. How about that? We'll do. Yeah, that sounds that sounds good. All right, uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back and uh, discuss uh, more uh, silliness here <laughs> that we call tech move. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to Tech Move, Rod Louie and Keith Moreau. And Keith knows that uh, I'm going to be uh, away for a uh, couple of weeks because I am going on a trip here. And of course, with the trip comes a lot of sightseeing. And with sightseeing, of course, comes Tech Move because I'll be packing up the gear and going to Beverly Hills. I'm, <laughs> I am actually trying, Keith, to carry as little equipment as I can. Um, I usually carry like an entire documentarian like flight case worth of equipment, <laughs> but I'm trying to cut back as much as I can. And one of the things that I want to cut back on is because over the years of uh, of recording trips or doing other projects, I've always carried uh, a shotgun mic. I've always carried around my Rode video mic, which I love. I still love to this day. I think yeah. it still works great. I think the, the sound quality is excellent on it, and it, it's just terrific. I just don't have the space for it for this particular trip. You haven't lost those little rubber shock mounts yet? Believe it or... Oh, oh you mean the rubber bands that... Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, of course. Many times. <laughs> many times. Yes. I, I, I have inventory of those from Rode, and I'm probably through a bag of... Uh, <laughs> halfway through a bag of 100, probably, already. So so the new ones don't have that anymore. They have this, this right. just kind of flexible mount that... Which is it, nice. Yeah. It's, it's kind of ugly looking, but it's yeah. way... It's way nicer in that it doesn't. You don't lose the rubber bands. <laughs> I I figure that if I if they stop producing those rubber bands, I can go to my local orthodontist <laughs> and get the same thing. So they're pretty it's, much it's the same. Good, yeah, I that, think they're pretty much the same. Yeah. So I I think it's why that or my local newspaper boy. And I know that I'm dating myself, ladies and gentlemen, because there are no more newspapers. But that's no, okay. It's they funny. all got killed. <laughs> it's it's funny to say it anyway, and I'm in it for the laughs. So. Anyway, the Rode video mic will not be taken with me on this trip, but I do want to, I was thinking about capturing audio for Mm. for my videos. And, you know, the onboard uh, mics are, you know, they're essentially terrible, right? I mean, they'll they'll get it done if you want to hear something. That's all well and good. But generally, they're pretty terrible. Right. And, um... I, I enlisted the help of Keith Moreau, our resident expert, uh, to kind of share his thoughts because I'm very interested in the technology of the uh, Rode wireless microphones. Yes, and uh, and he, he also introduced in our uh, latest um, uh, Cinegear uh, uh, extravaganza, the DJI uh, wireless microphones. Yes. And I'm I'm wondering, Keith, would my application make use of such technologies? I'm I'm trying to think about it. I'm I'm not sure it will because I'm not really interviewing anybody. You know, it's really almost like vlogging, right? Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's like vlogging. Do I really need? I love the compact uh, uh, footprint. Of these wireless mics, right. you know the roads, the the DJI's, all this stuff. I love right. the footprint of it. Right. Is it gonna be? Is, is, do I need something like this? Go ahead. The floor is yours. <sighs> okay. Well, I can't answer the 
<laughs> as is tradition, that. as is right. tradition, I can't just say yes or no. I have to go through my whole decades of history with microphones, and, which I love, and, and wireless mics. So I'll just. That's go why I've enlisted you. <laughs> that that's yeah. why you're on the payroll. Yeah. So in the very very beginning, um, wireless mics were very uh, rare and very expensive. Um, so back back in the beginning, I didn't have wireless mics. I just had really nice shotgun mics that I put and they had XLR outputs and they go into your pro camera with XLR inputs and you get really nice sound, but it's big and bulky and etc. And that was recorded into the, into the camera video file. Um, I, then I think I got my very first wireless system. I think it was called Asden. I don't even know if Asden is around these days. I think they might be, but we could look it up later. Um, they were the least expensive um, wi- uh, wireless systems. And they were really big and bulky and ugly, um, they, but they were okay. They actually were okay. Um, I recently just gave my whatever fifteen-year-old set of Asdens away to somebody, uh, my niece, who's an aspiring videographer. She probably has them all in her closet as well now, <laughs> and hasn't used them yet. Um, and probably when she tries to use them, it'll be too frustrating, and she'll give up. She's use, she's <laughs> like me. She's using the iPhone white corded microphone and yes. that's certainly good enough. Yes. Or maybe an ear 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 pods or something. Right. But um <clears throat> which are not bad. But um Right. But uh so I got those. I used them for a lot of different things. They were pretty cool. They're actually stereo, so got two channels. But of course, you know, interference, etc. is always an issue. Um and then I started stepping up my game as far as wireless mics. So then the, the next set I got, which actually was a really nice set, and I still even use it once in a while, is the Sennheiser G3. Much more expensive, much more pro, all metal bodies, very durable, pretty reliable, still has issues with interference, just like all wireless mics. And if you go too far away or there's a lot of extraneous RF radio signals in the area, then you could get dropouts and things like that. But overall, had good success with them. So I have a whole set of those, including things you can plug into regular XLR mics. So you have a kind of a remote man on the street type of microphone or put them on booms and things like that. So very useful, um, still good. Then I got this other uh, set of uh, Sennheisers, which is like the upgrade, but very different technology called the AVX, much more automatic much easier to set up. You just, and it's got rechargeable batteries. You just plug them in and then they connect and then they work. Those are pretty good. Although I had, haven't used them that much, uh, just for whatever reason. Although the times I did use them, they were pretty good. Um, still subject to interference, subject to weird gain issues. Cause it seems like it's an auto gain system that has very little control over it. So it's like more like a run and gun type. I just want to record it. I don't really care. Let it figure it out. So it had some little gain issues of it. Just deciding wrong on gain. Uh, just because it's so automatic. <clears throat> um, then I got the original uh, Wireless Go, which was awesome. Very small package. Uh, the receiver, instead of being a gigantic metal box with XLR outputs and everything, was a teeny little box with eighth-inch outputs and inputs. Uh, the receiver mounted on your hot shoe on your camera. It was very inobtrusive, had little a little... Um, uh, UI interface on it so you can kind of see what the levels were and do settings and things uh, had uh, one or two um, in this case it was it was a single channel system so you would need to have um, one one receiver sorry one transmitter per per device so if you wanted to have two channels you'd have to get a whole set of two two devices um, 
So I think I think that's the case. I have to think about that. Anyway, really good system, uh, very reliable, very easy to set up. You just put them next to each other, turn them both on, they do a little handshaking, and then they're done. Works really well. Use those a lot. Very portable. You can just clip them on the person so there's a built-in lav type mic in them that's not bad quality. It has little um, windscreens you can put onto it has pretty good battery life. They're rechargeable, so they don't have batteries you replace. You just charge it up, lasts for all day, usually. Um, you can quickly charge it by USB. Very good system, loved it. This was maybe three something years ago, four years ago, maybe. Uh, then they came out with a new version, which had uh, the Holy Grail. Uh, the Holy Grail is having onboard, onboard recording as well as transmission. Because then if your transmission gets screwed up for whatever reason, uh, usually interference, then there's still a, a good, pristine copy that's on the device itself. Love those things. That was the Wireless Go 2. Love that thing. Awesome. Same as the Wireless Go 1, but this one was stereo, so I got, there's two units and they interact with, with one. Onboard recording, awesome. Software's a little, software looks nice, but it's kind of kludgy because the file formats that it records in are its own proprietary formats. So you have to do this whole rigmarole to export the files. So if you have recorded files that are actually on the devices, you have to go through the, the Rode software to convert it to like Wave or some other file format. You can't just use them. Uh, can you export in that proprietary file and then convert it in, in, in your computer? Yeah, it, you do it. You do it on your all on your computer, where you essentially plug in your Wireless Go into the computer. It shows up in inside the Wireless Go app or the Road app. And you won't find it in Finder or Explorer. Uh, it does. I don't remember, but I don't think that there was a way to do that. Interesting. Yeah, okay. I right. think you have to. I think you have to have use to the, be app. In the app. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know if it even shows up in the Finder. Can't, Interesting. Can't okay. remember. Can't remember. Okay. Um. But I do know that as like if it did show up in the Finder, like it wasn't usable because I would have done it that way because that's way more easy. I think. Yes. Part, I think. Oh no! I think one of the things is is that the Finder, the file information in the Finder is not accurate, so you don't know what you're looking at. You you, you don't know what time it was recorded or anything. It's just really random obs files obscure. in there. And you, yeah. 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 And okay. so you have to use the app to identify it. And even when you save save the files, you have to identify them by the date because they don't list when they were recorded so you, you could be all out of order and not where you are it the app needs a lot of work it may it's maybe it's gotten better because i haven't used it that recently um okay but still best game in town awesome okay then and then the onboard recording i'm not and i'm not really sure why the onboard recording wasn't available before this because and i, I looked it up in the past because why you know i was looking for recorders that had onboard recording transmitters that had onboard recording onboard recording and it seemed like there was a patent out by Lectosonics. Okay, so there's this company called Lectosonics, which super high end, all you know, if you if you're making a a blockbuster movie, you will you will use Lectosonics mics because they're like two thousand dollars or something per mic. But they're really good quality and I think they had a patent on the internal recording part of it. So all these companies that had recorder, transmitter, wireless things were all uh, couldn't do it because of this patent. So I don't know what changed. I don't know if these companies are just doing it and saying, you know, sue me. You know, I don't I don't know exactly what they're why the why they can do it and others can't. But Rode did it first and then DJI did it. So the DJI came up with their first um dedicated wireless mic system. It's called DJI Mic. 
And so far, that is the only one that I'm going to use from now on. <laughs> because really? I think, okay. I think I st- I've only used it like two or three times with not the, not the perfect results, but it could have been just the environment. Like, for example, I used them at, at Cinegear, and the environment could have been full of RF. But it does have internal recording, and it has a case that is also a battery pack charging case. So all the, there's three units, two mics, one for each channel, that are like little, small little, how would I describe the size? They're like one inch by one and a half inch, much smaller than the, the Rode uh, wireless go. I'm looking at it now yeah. on Amazon, and it's very, I mean, what, lack of a better term, they look like AirPods? Uh, yeah, they're they're actually... The cases... Yeah, uh, they look a little... They're actually, the case is even smaller than the AirPod case. It's about yeah. two-thirds. The, the units themselves are, you know, about the size of the uh, the Rode wireless goes and stuff they're, like that. They're actually smaller. Even smaller. Okay, they're, right. actually, they're actually about the same thickness, but they're actually narrower so they take up a lot less footprint when you put it on somebody it's a lot less obtrusive the wireless goes are kind of big and shiny and like you know somebody has it on Um, and i always and i always you know put a black tape over the the logo because i just don't want to be advertising the company and you know making it a big thing if i have it on somebody though the ggi has also has a logo but they're much smaller and they're like matte and they're not quite as obtrusive in all these cases any of these systems now you can actually they have an input, like an eighth-inch input, so you can plug in a good quality lav or any quality lav into that, and then put that somewhere on their person, and then run that lav, you know, up close to their their mouth somewhere. You know, sometimes it's here in their chest, sometimes it's here in the lapel. Um, so I actually sometimes tape, uh, like if it's a woman, I'll put them, I'll put the mic right here in their bra. There's a perfect spot in there. Um, it's perfect. It's actually isolated. It's like the perfect thing. Men don't with men doesn't work. <laughs> well, so. it, I, yeah, I, uh, I, I'm looking at it. It's very interesting. Yeah. You know, this DJI mic wireless mic system. Yeah, it's actually, so I actually really love it because it comes in, the case itself is not too big, but yeah. it actually has a battery, a chargeable battery in the case. So you could actually take that on the road and then make sure that your, the three pieces are actually all charged up at any time. And then you just take them out and then you use them. And then another thing about the DJI uh, wireless mic is that it has little magnets that come with it. Mm-hmm. So you, it has a clip, but then the clip also has a magnet that's optional. So you could actually just pull, peel it off if you want. But you could put the you could put the magnet on inside the fabric of their shirt, the magnet parts there, and then the the mic's on the outside, and just click it on, and it stays. So it's a, it's a way to attach it to things in an easy way without in any location where you might not be able to use a clip. You know, like if you wanted to put, say, clips usually you clip to collars or edges of clothing or something. But you could potentially just put it somewhere like on their chest and the magnet part could be on the inside and then the the mic could be on the outside and then you don't need to have physically clip anything on. You just snaps on. Let me Let me just get it and I'll just show you. So for the audience, we're actually doing a little video right now. So... Rod, Rod has a chance to see me while we're doing this, so I'll be right back. Which is which is always a benefit uh, for me. So I know Keith is uh, walking away from his desk, so I could talk about him if I want. But folks, this thing looks really it looks really neat. Um, and uh, now I can hear you. Okay, I, I, I was going to say here that the 
I, I, I guess, what is it? The receiver, the receiver unit. Um, so if you open up the case, Keith, the, the, that middle receiver unit, that's, that's what we're going to call it, correct? Correct. This is the receiver. This is the thing right. that goes on, goes on to your uh, camera. Right. So, so, yeah. so I could like cold shoe that. Yes. It comes and, with and, a, exactly. And it comes with an attachment for that. Uh huh. So you can uh, stick this thing into this slot here mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I'll just show you how that works and take this out without breaking it and losing it. Okay. So I just took out the iPhone attachment to it. Um, let's see. this way so for all the uh let me just see if i can put this down so i can actually manipulate this a little more easily right okay so i i am I'm, I'm thinking that you you can cold shoe it onto uh onto a camera and and you could probably do the exact same thing with the uh road wireless go right i mean they they probably have that same option oh yeah they all have that shoe option. everybody has the, so everybody has so the shoe. So the uh, output jacks on both of these are eighth inch. Correct. Everything is all eighth inch these days, and then eight, some eight. of them, they're all. Unfortunately, the one thing that's not so pro about these, and for example, a difference between this and the Sennheiser, is that um, a lot of a lot of jacks have. Um, okay, I don't know why I can't get this in. Just kind of lame here. I'm very lame. Let me just see. Let me just break this right now. That'd be good. Is it this way? No, it can't be that way. That would be stupid. You can fashion a new one out of chewing gum. Okay, yeah, no, I did it right. Okay, so it's actually, I was just doing it the wrong way. So you just slide that in. Okay, so yeah. now this becomes... Oh, okay. Yeah, See, now this yep. becomes kind of a springy thing that, that fits a cold shoe. Yep. It's a, what I'm, what I'm yep. describing is the little piece that fits into part of the receive, uh, the receiver. Yep. And then this part will go into your cold shoe on your camera. Yeah, you can see that very well. Yeah, look, that, uh, yeah. looks like range is pretty good too. Yeah, I, well, so what I've experienced is the range is good as long as there's not interference. Oh right. So and yeah. nobody else around you or something like that. Yeah, like no other electronics going. Right, right, yeah. um, and that's always an issue. But the thing that's kind of cool is it comes with an iPhone. Um, attachment so you could put you could actually plug your receiver right into your iphone directly it, in yeah and then you can re just record and it'll act like uh it's a mic plugged into your iphone oh, and nice. then it also has if you have if you don't have an iphone like you have android then it also has a USB-C connector for the same the same thing oh cool yeah so and then well, so we could we we could plug that directly into our mac studios and use these as our new microphones or new studio mics. That's actually one of the things I haven't tried that, but that's one of the neat things that people can can do is you can actually plug the receiver into your Mac Studio with this USB port. Yeah. And then you can just use these on your person yeah. to record yeah. really good audio. Uh, or you know, I don't think if it's going to be I as get good one, as our audio. Yeah. Yeah. No, I might still try it just because I want to lay down in bed the next time oh, I record. Oh yeah. That'll be good for the video podcast. That'll be good. <laughs> so, so let me describe to you. I'm just going to show you the uh, the magnet thing. So these are pretty oh, strong. Yeah. These are pretty right. strong. It's ha yep. having a hard time getting them off. But you can yeah. see. And then I'll just snap it together. 
Okay. Yep. So that's that's and so you could put this potentially, um, like somewhere on your fabric. It's yep. actually pretty hard to get off, but and they're so small too that it's, it's it's hard to take those things off. Yeah, which is good. I'm glad they're strong. Yeah. Okay, so like that. Yeah, so that looks great. Yeah. So if you didn't have, you know, and then you could always tape over the, you know, the DJI logo and the yeah. LEDs and stuff if you don't pe- want people to know. Yeah. So, in fact, uh, I was when I was recording the um, the DT mic- the DT uh, microphone guy, right? In, in the last episode, um, I actually had I had yep. this on here, and he made some comments about it because they're competitors because they have something just like this, right? And I said, you know, I could just that's blur right. it out if you want. He said, no, <laughs> that's okay. We encourage it, <laughs> right? Fact Not is, really. fact is, is that this I like their units. I like all their stuff, but this is the best thing out there still because it's small. Yeah. It's small right. and it's rechargeable and it has this case, which nobody else has. It's such a brilliant idea. No, I um, love it. Yeah. So uh, I, I love it. And, and, and the ability to, and, uh, is it the receiver that actually has the built in recording? No, actually the recordings on these things. How interesting. Yeah. It okay. ha- that it kind of has to, well, it doesn't have to, but the purpose is to have the local recording in case the That's transmission true. goes yeah. bad. So yeah. the point would be to have it on here and you see this red thing. It yep. means that it's actually recording on here. Uh, so question in order to, let's say offload that audio off that, does it have to be in the charger of which is then plugged into your computer in order for, or are you plugging directly into that unit and opening up the app to, to get the file? You Now, this is actually another thing that DJI did right. When you plug this in, the files are actually normal readable files. Oh, wow. Yeah. So they're just, I think they're WAV files. So you just manipulate them and they have timestamps and stuff like that. So they did so it So better right. than the road. Better be- than the way road. Way better, in my opinion, way better. Yeah, that, sorry, that, road. That that might be the uh, that might be the answer I was looking for. Then, yeah, I mean, they just I, they just they just did it right. I, I, w- I wonder if any. I'm sure I'm going to have to look for a video of this now because I wonder if anyone has actually tried to use this DJI mic wireless uh, as a shotgun microphone on top of their camera. I wonder if anyone's actually tried that. I probably wouldn't do that. Well, it too might- much too much noise. Too much noise around. Yeah, it's because all these lav mics, or I mean, all these mics that are actually on these transmitters, they're all omnidirectional mics. So they're actually they're actually gathering information from a circle, like a sphere around the mic. Yeah. So if that mic is on your camera, it's just gonna ha- get everything around you, including your breathing. <sighs> You'd probably hear right. that louder than whoever you're you're right. recording. See, so, so what you would do is you would take this and you put it on that person. Or you'd have it on somebody that's over there that's closer to the action. It doesn't have to be on that person's, like if that person's not talking, but it could be somebody that's central. So Mm -hmm. just in your group of, you know, tourists, fellow tourists, just surreptitiously take this, you know, and has got a little clip and just like clip it onto them without them knowing. And then they will (laughs) be, they'll be your mobile stealth boom mic. Hopefully they'll start discussing all their political uh, affiliations and I can yeah. use that against them. All right, fantastic. Well, Keith, I think you I think you convinced me. I think I'm going to look into the G- DJI mic wireless. Yes. I think I'm I think that sounds pretty darn great. It's a little bit pricier than it the is. Uh, Rode Rode Go. It is. Uh wireless Go. Yeah. Uh but I think it could be worth it cuz it just 
it just look and and you kind of get two mics with it too. So yeah, that's you get cool. you get two mics and you get two recorders. Yeah, and you know it's actually pretty darn useful. Yeah, and I I'm not sure. I think you could actually use this just as an offboard recorder. Let me just see. Yeah, see, I just I just turned it on record. Yeah, and it's so now I can just use this as a dictaphone. Like nice. Hi, I'm Rod Louie here, man <laughs> on the street. Don't need to be connected. Still recording. <laughs> Amazing. Signing Amazing. off. Could use our little our little backdrop. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Terrific. <laughs> Great. Well, uh, thank you very much for that. I appreciate that. Yeah. Let's. Uh, my pleasure. So, uh, folks, uh, we're gonna look at the uh, Rode uh, Wireless Go and the DJI Mic Wireless System. So. Um, that's very interesting. Keith, thank you very much for that. You're Appreciate welcome, Rod. it. My pleasure. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back with more right here on Tech Move. Okay, welcome back, everyone, to Tech Move. Rod Louie and Keith Moreau as we kind of wrap up uh, this episode, and we're going to finish out our segment here with a little bit of catch-up. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, we want to talk about something that Keith, um, he, he's added to his arsenal, let, let, let's say. And um, it, it, it's some, uh, is there a name? I mean, I know what we named it in our show notes, Keith. Yeah. But it, but is this an actual technical name that people purchase this stuff for? You know, is it the you know iron lung? What you know what 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 do we actually call this item? And it's neat. We'll we'll describe it to you. But what what is the actual name of this of this unit? So it's um it's actually well it's 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 more than one unit. It's more than one thing. But they call it the. Um, Tilt it. Tilt is the maker of it. Uh, so they call it the uh, Tilta Ronin RS2 and RS3 ecosystem. So the uh, the ecosystem kind of makes it sound like exactly like what you had just mentioned. Uh, you're you're kind of Frankensteining like uh, a bunch of their parts or something like that to make something that that works for you. Is that how we're to assume it is? It could be considered that, or it could be kind of following their guidelines for these different kits that they sell that are somewhat interchangeable. Uh-huh. Um, but the main the main thing that they have in common is that they fit the the Ronin two and Ronin three, uh, sorry Ronin RS two and RS three because the R, RS stands for the single grip Ronins, uh, which is pretty much all the ones they come out with now. Um, it actually has this kind of. Uh, port on the bottom of the main unit that the battery handle fits into so there's a handle uh and that's actually the battery for the for the ronins and then the handle has this kind of port power port um that sticks up basically the handle is the battery and it has some it pretty much just supplies power it doesn't really do much else so it's it's pretty much the battery and it's got this certain type of connector on it uh, and that plugs into this kind of receptacle that's inside the bottom of the main brains of the Ronin RS2 and RS3 gimbals. So basically all the stuff I'm talking about is made 
to fit inside that little port that's in the, the main brains of the RS2 and RST3 gimbals. So, um, yeah, so that's it. So, uh, so I actually just went wild and just got a bunch of stuff um, related to this because uh, I, I recently got the RS3 Pro, and that was the kind of the beginning of it. So that's the newest DJI Ronin RS gimbal, and it's really nice, and it's excellent, and has new features, and has this auto-locking. I think we talked about it before. Um, so if you add that to all these different support kind of gimbally supporting systems uh, that are made by Tilta, then you get additional functionality. And uh, so, so are these like essentially different kits that you can buy almost like Legos and you can just build up on them and, and make some pretty neat uh, different uh, uh, rigs with them? You can kind of kind of mix and match a little bit. You you can some of the parts will work on either thing, and some parts are kind of just on their own. They they only work for for. Let, let me just give you some examples. So um, there's this two-handled uh, support system for the the Tilta mix, and it basically it allows you to um, get the split screen here. Give me just a second here, okay? If you don't mind. Sure. Uh, we'll edit this because I want to be able to, oh, I do have that, okay. So that's, okay. So it's it allows you to, to mount the brain part, kind of the main part of the Ronin gimbal on, to, on top of this bar. And then on either side of the bar are these handles. And then one of the handles is actually your battery grip. So you're reusing that. And the other is just a, a, a dummy handle that's not, doesn't have any battery or anything, but it's just a handle. So you can you can it, and it and it reroutes the power through this bar into into the battery group. So you get to you get to have a two-handed gimbal. So that's that's one of the systems. It's pretty simple and it's not that expensive. But you buy this stuff. Your your Ronin plugs into it. You un, you unplug your 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 battery grip and you put it onto one of the handles on it, and then um, on the other side. And then you can just hold it like a two-handed gimbal, or you could have it coming. You can have the you can have either have the gimbal sticking up. Uh, perhaps I'll, I'll just show you. I'll just show you, and I'll edit this out maybe because it doesn't actually make sense for people. But let me just see if I can show you. Um, Tilta. Uh, so I'm just going to go to the Tilta site. The segment's going to require a lot of editing. <laughs> <laughs> just what you wanted to avoid, but yet you're going to do more of it, which is great. Pretty much. So yeah. what are you seeing? I am seeing a uh, the Tilta site, but it's it, you know it's really small. Okay, so but you can kind of see me scrolling. Around, oh yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. that's no problem. That okay. that so actually looks good. You can okay. actually uh, make it longer uh, up to the fourteen thirty seven. Uh, yeah, right there. That that's good. Right okay, so, so I can't even see that on my stupid screen now. Okay. Because of the way that it's set up. Sure. Actually, now I, now I can see it. Okay. So now I can see what you're saying. Um, let me just move this around a little bit. There we go. Okay. Yeah. That's perfect. So let me go back to the ecosystem thing. Um, come on. Okay, I'm gonna just accept this now. Beginning drunk mail. Uh, let's see. <laughs> okay. 
Well, it doesn't allow me to scroll around, so I have to... Because I can't see the whole thing. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Okay. Now, now I'm going to go into this section here. Okay, so... Yeah, so I'll give you an example. So the thing that I was talking about is this thing right here. Oh, right. Okay. okay. Yeah, so as you can see um, on the... Uh, this is the existing, uh, this is the, this is the, I'm actually not sure which one this is, but I think this is the battery. Okay. No, no. This is the candle that it comes with. So it's a dummy handle. It doesn't have anything, no battery. It's just a grip. Just a grip. And then you got this rod. Yep. It's actually, I think it's a NATO rail. Okay. And then this is the receptacle for the power. And you can put your existing uh, battery grip on here. So this doesn't see how it's grayed out. It doesn't come with it. Yep. And then this is an optional battery, uh, uh, V-mount battery uh, receptacle that you can add to the system. And then this is the Ronin part. So anyway, that's part of the ecosystem. That just gives you an example of one of them. Right. So um, it, so it makes a two two handled uh, uh, stabilizer grip, which is nice. Yeah. And then you can also um, tilt this whole thing upside down. So you could have the the Ronin hanging upside down, right? Uh, so if you need to have low shots, um, or if you just want to have it a little bit lower when you're holding it, right? You know, not not at eye level, but maybe like chest level, then yep. you could just reverse it all around. So so it's pretty cool. Um, I got one of those, and it's not that expensive. Um, somebody said that I haven't had this experience, but somebody said that the handles can just fall off at any moment. So be careful. So that that that's probably uh, yeah. I mean, like uh, with with all the different points of contact, I would imagine that there's just a chance of uh, leaving something loose if you're not careful with it. Yeah. So that's a possibility. And then and then there's this other ecosystem. I don't think I have this one. This is the lightweight dual handle support system. I have, I may have some components, but I don't think I do. Um, but as you can see, it's kind of modular, and you get. Um, so let me see. If there's other stuff here. Um, okay. Now you see. Okay. So one of the, the big things, one of the things I got, which I actually haven't showed you yet, which is, is pretty cool, is this uh, ring grip for the DJI Ronin. And it's basically um, allows you to, it, it's a it's kind of a tubular thing yep. like that, that goes around your whole uh, RS2 or 3. And you have these handles on the side that you can buy either separately or part of a kit. And these little extra handles that Tilta makes allow you to control all the functions that you normally would if you were just holding the the original Ronin. It so has thumb. Do... It has thumb controls, right? Well, actually, not, but hand controls it, that you would use uh, as grips. Yeah, it has it has a grip, and then above it has a little thumb controller, so you can tilt the mm. gimbal up and down and left and right. And then actually in the front, which you can't see, it has a little dial, yep. so you could use that for things like uh, tilting or focus. Uh, or other uh, other things that might be controllable by the Ronin. So the Ronin's pretty cool because it could interface with the cameras. In some case, it can interface with a cable, like a USB cable. And so there's a cable that comes out of the Ronin and goes into your camera, and that can control, at, at the minimally, it controls recording, stop and start, but it could also um, control other things like focus. So if you have an electronically co controllable lens, you know, like, like a fly-by-wire type lens, the, the little um, handle... The, the tilt-a handle can actually uh, uh, allow you to focus, do manual focusing with it. That's pretty um, great. And and, and yeah. does does it also have a? Uh, is it a cold shoe or is that a hot shoe up top? 
at the very top, it's kind of weird, but it's actually a power receptacle for the handle. Interesting. So the, yeah. So the existing uh, Ronin handle, you move that and you put that up there and it powers the whole thing. So you can put, uh, you can actually put other components on here as well. There's little, doesn't show it here, but there's little um, power kind of like conductive areas on the, um, on the actual outside of this. Uh, so like, it looks like little gold dots. And those are just different different power outputs and inputs. So you can actually take power out and like go to a monitor to power the monitor. So they're almost uh, like conductors. Uh, yeah, they're all, like conductors. All over the place, huh? Yeah, so don't get this thing wet, or you just you'll get shorted out and die. <laughs> right. Or or you throw that in, uh, in in the garbage can, or turn it into a hula hoop, and then you're <laughs> yes. and then you're fine. It's a really bad square right. hula hoop. Right. Um, yeah. So. But it's pretty cool. Uh, the, the thing about this is you can put it on the ground. It's got these little feet. So you can kind of... Anyway, we'll, we'll talk about more of it later. This is just... I'm just talking about the overall ecosystem, which is pretty cool. Um, another thing that, that I got that actually... I was kind of on the fence about, um, but I got it anyway. And I'm actually really glad I got it because it's really cool. Uh, even if I just use it once for a pro job, <laughs> I think it'll still be cool. But um, that's the, um, the uh, Tilt-A-Float handheld gimbal support system. So again, it uses the RS2 or 3, in my case, the RS2, RS3 Pro, and and it's essentially a combination of a traditional Steadicam with the addition of a gimbal. <laughs> hmm. And uh, so it allows you to um, run around and not have this up and down movement that's really noticeable in gimbal shots because you have the Steadicam arm that's essentially just eliminating, canceling out all the up and down movements that your body makes. So right, that yeah. That, that, so again, two different things, right? The tilt of float uh, handheld gimbal, uh-huh. and then this ring grip. Right. Uh, the the uh, I mean, two totally different things. But they all can kind of work together in some form or fashion. Yes, and, and all this kind of stuff. So that's pretty neat. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. You can, in a lot of cases, you can actually use some of the parts from one and use it on another. Yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah. So, like for for example, if I wanted to do some follow focusing from my uh, use use like like if I had a manual lens and it was mounted on the gimbal that was on the tilt uh, float system. I could potentially rip out one of the other parts that I normally use, like on the ring, and use it on the float. Have you tried that yet to mix and match? With I have, the... and it works really well. That's fantastic. That's great. Yeah. I love equipment like that. Yeah, I love I'm actually. It. Go ahead. No, I, I, I just, I like, I, I like it. You know, it's just like in uh, hardware tools when you yeah. can, uh, uh, you know, buy one battery, but it works for all these different power tools. You know, like your screwdriver or drill or something like that. I, I love that kind of thing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And I'm actually, I wasn't, I never really bought Tilta stuff before just because I thought uh, some of the stuff I, that they made was kind of, I don't know, like really cool, but not not overly practical. Like the one thing that I remember from the past was, like past shows, was the Armor Man, I think it's called. Let me see if I can show you here. <laughs> Um, Sounds like a superhero I used to draw. Well, wait till you see the actual. You know, it it does look like a. <laughs> it, it does look like, like Iron Man. Let me see. Okay. 
Okay, so I seem to have lost my navigation. Okay, here we go. Um, let me see. Here we go. So you can see here what it what it what it looks like. Oh, it's a transformer. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah. transformer, and yeah. here's somebody wearing it. So right. That's what it looks like, and then here's somebody with it on. Oh my! So <laughs> that <laughs> that looks like that should have been used for more medical science than filmmaking. So that's basically it's basically like the six million six million dollar man. But yeah. yeah, yeah, it really does look like it. It look, looks like the guy was in a horrible biking accident. Is in traction, but that's, he does, and then he has somebody to help him. Yeah, that's, that's that cool. That's no, him. I like it. That's really good. So, but actually, it's it's actually really cool because it essentially just uh, takes the weight off your arms. Oh, absolutely. It's sure. it's essentially if you can't for the listeners, it's just um, something you strap on, kind of like a Steadicam vest, and then coming out from the side are these two arms that pretty much parallel your own arms, but they're spring arms, so they just carry all the weight of whatever you're whatever you happen to be carrying. Yeah. So it's like a I don't know, force. It's kind of, it is like RoboCop. It's like, yeah. um, you know, these, and I think there's probably even stuff like this in the military now where there's these powered suits that give people, give soldiers like super strength. So it's kind of like that. Right. Anyway, this is what I saw at um, like NAB a couple of times. And I just went, that is so ridiculous. <laughs> this is what Tilted does. <laughs> Can you imagine anybody ever wearing this <laughs> um, in any situation? And, and it's not super expensive. It's like $3,000. Right. But, um, but it was like, come on. Like, if you showed up at any gig wearing this, unless it was like a professional filming gig, you would just, people would be afraid of you and just run. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I, I avoid stuff like that. I try to be kind of less obtrusive. But so that was the thing that I kind of was in my mind about Tilta stuff. But actually, their stuff is really, really good. Their really engineering is amazing. And they, the, the prices are not that bad for what they give you. Well, and so. according to the website, they only have one left in stock. So it must be doing well. So uh, that's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so that's... Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, you know, let's, let's discuss something that was very controversial in our uh, pre-show meeting. And I wanted to talk about uh, what you got rid of. You have actually, well, you, you know, you you obtain and you discard plenty of equipment. You 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 get rid of more equipment than I've ever known of. Uh, and this one goes back into the junk pile. And this is very controversial, though. Uh, why don't you sh uh, uh, enlighten our listeners about what that is? Oh, okay. So I was really excited about these amazing cinema cameras like five or six years ago. Right. They're the um, the Canon C two hundreds. Right. Ground groundbreaking cameras. I think and I think we've we we had done several episodes on yeah. the on the C two hundreds. Yeah. And they started out, they were like 6K around there a piece, and depending on, you can get different additions to them, and maybe it would be more expensive, and then all the peripherals and things were pricey. But, uh, yeah, so I got that, I got I got two of them, actually, pretty close together, just because I wanted to have two matching cameras, like an A and B camera, 
and you know have two people working at the same time and filling something, or, or maybe in one stationary camera and another. Anyway, um, and so and I had them for years. They worked really well. Um, workhorses uh, had some limitations. Had some kind of built-in technology limitations from Canon. I think they could have had them made them a little bit better, but they just chose not to for economics and marketing and market share and stuff. They don't want it. the problem with all these with all these camera makers that they they just dis, they deactivate features they could easily put in. Because they got to do it for the next iteration of it. That's why. Right. And they also don't want to upset all the people that bought the more expensive cameras. Right. You know, it, it's partially that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, camera makers, I think these days are actually getting more and more uh, liberal about cutting off their high end. Um, and so you're starting to get a lot more cameras that are really fully featured, have have great specs, um, maybe aren't quite as solid and pro, but they their image quality is amazing. And so you're starting to get that in the last one or two years, especially from Canon. Yep. So I got the, the one of those cameras is the C70. So, um, and I, I think I described it in earlier episodes, but it's basically looks like a gigantic DSLR. And it's a, you know, it's, it's kind of like the size of like a 1DX, maybe a little bit thicker and a little bit heavier, but it's about that size. It's pretty big. Um, but it's still handheldable and it's not gigantic. Um, so I got that. And the reason I got it, um, this was like a couple of years ago I got it, um, is that it's just, it checks all the, pretty much all the boxes. And the, the one thing that it does check that the C200 didn't was the 8-bit um, compressed recording. Uh, I mean, sorry, the 10-bit compressed recording. So for the C200s, in order to record H.264, the compressed version, and not, you know, not use the raw format, which uses a lot of space, you have to record an 8-bit. And that was always a huge limitation. So you either had this 8-bit recording, which is still really, really good looking, but it's still 8-bit. And then you have the raw recording, which is like 12-bit. So it's one kind of low-end recording or the super high-end recording and nothing in between. And there are other higher-end cameras did the 10-bit recording with a compressed format. So that was always kind of a pain. Anyway, the C70 has that 10-bit recording in it. Um, and it also has um, what's called the dual-gain output sensor. So that means it, it essentially does kind of an HDR recording. It records one... At the same time, it records a, it optimizes for the shadows. So essentially it has, it puts more gain on that particular pixel. And then it also records for the highlights. So it puts less gain on that pixel. And then it takes those two signals and then later in the electronics, it actually combines them so that you have all the highlights captured and all the shadows captured with very little noise. And the latitude on that camera is amazing. It's like Alexa, Ari Alexa dynamic range, like 17 stops, 16, 17 stops. So you can wow. record scenes like really bright and really, and there's no noise in the shadows. And it's and it also can record those compressed formats, very very versatile in that way. Yeah. So anyway, so I said, I said, why am I keeping these C200s? Because it's only like five five or six thousand dollars. So why am I keeping these C200s? So. I said, you know what? I think it's time to sell those. There's no reason to keep these. It's like they're they're just like dropping in value. Right. They're they're dropping in value as almost, almost as fast as the dollar is dropping in value. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so I just decided to get rid of them. That was kind of sad, but I I did that. 
but somebody bought them though. Yeah, they were sold immediately. Excellent. So, yeah, I Excellent. mean, I sold tons of stuff in the last few months. So, very. I good. just realized I was just collecting a bunch of stuff that's becoming museum pieces. Right. So, <laughs> just because technology is just marching on. So. It is. It it really is. Yeah. It really is. Well, you know, in in speaking about that, Keith, we're and we're gonna have to kind of talk about this. Uh, maybe in our next episode, but you sure. know, one of those things that is uh, making a huge, huge noise and making waves right now is that Sony FX30. That, oh that, yeah, that that's out. Uh, have you bought it yet? No, I've. I'm, I have not bought it yet. So well, I'm, don't I'm worry, folks, because by the next episode, <laughs> Keith will have it and we'll, he'll he'll give us a full review. So don't possibly, worry. possibly, yeah, don't don't worry about that. Well, um, look, before we sign off, I want to show you one thing that I I had gotten. So um, I was one of those uh, idiots who used to like wearing a um, a neck strap uh, for his camera. So whenever I had my GH camera, whenever I went out uh, to shoot something, uh, I always had the neck strap and all this kind of stuff, you know, for whatever reason, safety, laziness, what, what have you. And, um, and I said, you know, I think this looks lame. I don't think anyone is using neck straps anymore except for their purses. So I'm not going to use this anymore. So I'm going to take it off. So I took off the neck strap <laughs> and I started just going handheld with, with the camera, went on vacation, right, and forgot to bring the neck strap with me. So all throughout the vacation, I'm like holding. Oh, no. I'm holding oh, no. the camera everywhere oh, no. I go, right? I mean, it was fine. It was okay. It wasn't that much of a problem. But no. I'll tell you what, my grip is so good now. I could crush a, a, a I could crush an aluminum pipe right now. So, yeah, it, it's it, it's incredible. <laughs> okay, so, so forget that. So I said to myself, uh, w one of the people that I went on vacation with had a... Um, a G9, a Lumix G9 uh, as a camera. And he had uh, one of those uh, wrist grips uh, for the camera, which is really, really nice. It, it, it's, it's, it's almost like, um, I, don't, I don't know how to describe it, but you know, a huge piece of leather and it attaches to the camera. But the pro, and I thought about that. I said, you know, I think I'm going to get that because, you know, you're, you're, it, it puts your hand in the right grip to just raise to, to your eyeball and start taking pictures. But then the problem with those grips, Keith, is that you've got to use the, um, the tripod mount in order to, to mount this grip. And I said, man, right. I, I, you know, I use the, those, uh, tripod mounts a lot. Yeah. You, know, you don't want to have to always unscrew it. I don't want to yeah. have to unscrew it. So I said, no yeah. good. You know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm out. So forget, yeah. so forget that one. I'm, uh, so instead, came back home and I bought something uh, from a company called Peak Design. And you might be familiar with them. I bought this thing called the Cuff Camera Wrist Strap. And it's this thing right here. I don't know if you can see it right now. Yeah, it looks pretty simple. It's very, very simple. <laughs> it's super simple. Just a, just a wrist, wrist strap. And yeah. I can put it in there like this and, and you know, and... You know, holds fine and it, and it tightens up when you let something go. Uh -huh. So so that's so that's kind of neat. 
And then uh, the the neat thing about it is that it has this uh, uh, breakaway thing here uh, where if I don't want it, I can dislodge uh, this thing here. And uh, oh, you can't see that. Wait, where? where right, there you go. So I can dislodge it, and then I can just put it right back in. Again, snaps in like that. So it's cool. So it's a really quick way to just very quick way camera. to have yeah. something, and you know, gives me that little added security. But anywho, so uh, the That's Peak cool. Design Cuff Camera Wrist Strap got it from our friends over at B and H. So of which you are now a uh, a visitor of. Which I'm a is, visitor, which is very nice. So <laughs> uh, thank you very much. Thank you. So anyway. Uh, Get a wrist strap at least, ladies and gentlemen, before you yes. drop it in the pool. Yes. Anyway, Keith, um, we're going to wrap it up right now. Thank you very much for uh, for uh, setting this up. And folks, we do have to tell you that uh, Tech Move is moving in to another phase in our lives where we're <laughs> moving into video. We've decided that we're going to start showing you our beautiful faces. Uh, as well as some of our beautiful products that we get to showcase. Mm -hmm. So that will be uh, coming up uh, fairly soon, hopefully yep. in our next episode. But in the meantime, uh, in order to do that, we need to ask you to please subscribe and uh, to our podcast. Uh, do it in all the usual ways through, uh, what is it, through uh, Apple Podcast or uh, what what are the other things that we belong to? I can't even remember. But anywhere where you find your podcast <laughs> doesn't just really look, matter. Just look for Tech Move Podcast. It'll it'll show up somewhere. It'll show up somewhere. You'll we're, we're everywhere, ladies and gentlemen. We're absolutely <laughs> everywhere. So uh, Keith, thanks a thanks a very much, and uh, it, it was it was a lot of fun. It was fun. Um, oh, also, uh, I does Patreon still exist? Yes, Patreon still does exist. So, you know, help us out because, uh, you know, uh, we really need to test a lot of stuff here. <laughs> so, you know, it would be yes. helpful if, if you helped us, ladies and gentlemen. Help us at so, Patreon. Just go to techmovepodcast.com and there's all the links for the different things there if you're in doubt. Right. And uh, and you should not be because <laughs> we, everything is excellent. Anyway, hey, I'm Rod Louie. That's Keith Moreau. Thank you very much for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. And we will see you on our next episode of Tech Move. See you later. Bye.